1: It's my position that the entire existence is a human race. We have strived for two primary goals, and that's it. Reproduce, right? The second one is reduction of stress.
2: Mm.
1: We're now realizing though.
0: Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Why do you feel like people in general are weak in, in, the, in the forms of like their body structure, their muscle structure, and their mindset? And obviously, I don't want to generalize this because there are a lot of mentally tough and strong humans, but it just feels like it's getting weaker and weaker with technology, with the, the access to comforts. Mm. Everything is so quick and easy. Why do you feel like this is happening? And what is the downside to a weaker society?
1: I think about this on a continuum of what we call resilience to sensitivity. And every action you're doing, you're moving towards one direction or the other. Mm -hmm. Now, depending on what insult you're looking at, some things you wanna be highly sensitive to. Some things you wanna be very resilient. So not one of these is better than the other. It's a paradigm, easy example. It's probably good for you to be very sensitive to alcohol, (laughs) right? Like, I don't want you to be so sensitive to where if you have a drink of alcohol, you have a mental breakdown for seven months. Like, that's not, that's way too sensitive. Uh But I want you so resilient to it that you could drink excessively and have no physical consequence, right? Because you're going to pay for that eventually. Mm. So that's something we probably want to be generally sensitive to. Sure. Generally resilient is probably something to, like, even carbon dioxide buildup. So what you don't realize, and we could go into metabolism a little bit if you want, but every time you take a breath in, you're breathing in oxygen, O2. When you exhale, you're breathing out CO2. So the difference is you've added a carbon. Where does that carbon come from? Mm. Your fat and your carbohydrates are stored in your body, which are your two primary ways in which you derive cellular energy, are just big, long chains of carbon. In fact, that's why we call it a carbohydrate.
0: So when you breathe, you're breathing out fat. Or carbon,
1: or carbohydrate. It's just a carbon. It doesn't matter. So whether you're getting your fuel from this carbon that's been hydrated, which is, that's all carbohydrates are, mm-hmm. one molecule of carbon plus one molecule of water. Well, fat is typically in this, what we call triglyceride form. So it has these three carbon backbones and it has tri, one, two, three long chains of carbons. So either way, you're talking about a 40 carbon molecule or a six carbon molecule. Okay. It's being metabolized in the cell in either direction. One's gonna go through the mitochondria initially, one's gonna go in the cytoplasm and then through the mitochondria, but either way they're gonna end in the mitochondria. They're gonna come out as carbon. That carbon's gonna be attached to oxygen. And
0: the it's mitochondria is in, is in the entire body or is it mostly in the brain? Mostly muscle. Mostly in the muscle, the mo- not in the, the brain.
1: The, it's gonna be a lot up there, but a lot you have the more muscle than you have brain. Gotcha. So total volume wise, it's gonna be a lot. Yeah. So you're going to, however you're metabolizing energy from any of your system, it's going to be accessing and kicking out carbon dioxide. When that level rises in your system, that's going to cross up in your brain. You have various receptors throughout your body that are going to tell you we've got a rise in carbon dioxide. The thing that drives your ventilation, the sensation to breathe, it's not actually running low on oxygen. It's running high in CO2. Mm. So this is why carbon dioxide kills you right cuz carbon monoxide will competitively bind to oxygen. So oxygen levels get low. Okay. But you don't sense that your oxygen is low. So you don't have any idea and then you just fall dead.
0: You pass out and or you're, you're gone. Oh
1: wow. Because there's no elevation in CO2. Interesting. So this is why we have to put smells and things like that in various gases so that you can identify have some signal. You know, hey,
0: this isn't good. I got to get out. Or you have to
1: have a carbon monoxide monitor in your house, wow. right? So, point is CO2 has a direct physical, psychological connection. This is a two-way street. It's what we call bi-directional. So an elevation or change in say state or trait anxiety. So the amount like you get something happened right now, and you freaked out, bad text, real actual thing. It doesn't matter. You will see an acute change in CO2
0: levels. So if I think a thought, experience something that frightens me or gives me stress or anxiety, watch a scary movie, whatever it might be, your girlfriend reaches out to you about something and Doesn't you matter. feel stressed, what happens to the body when you feel that in a moment?
1: You're going to get an immediate change in catecholamine status. What is that? So you're going to see adrenaline, you're going to see epinephrine, which is same basic yeah. word. You're going to see norepinephrine, cortisol, all these things, this stress response is going to happen instantaneously. From that, you're going to see a physiological response. So you're going to see a change in heart rate. You're going to see a change in ventilation. You'll see a change in dilation of your eyes Mm -hmm. and focus. You'll tend to see actually a change in vision um, because you're going to want to narrow in what's the danger, what's the threat. So you have a whole host of physiological responses that are coming from a psychological stress, and it goes both ways. So a physical stress can also then cause a state of psychological awareness, you can give yourself psychological anxiety from a change in physiology. Mm. Exercise. right? CO2 starts to rise. Oh my gosh, you can't focus. You're you not making good decisions. Your vision changes. Everything happens in this bidirectional Interesting. Way. So with CO2, and we've seen this in our lab, if someone is very tolerant and resistant, which is where we started this, this question at, mm-hmm. to elevations in CO2.
0: Meaning that they can push themselves longer distances when training, they can have even, it's, high it's, heart rate. It's simpler than that. What is it?
1: Yeah, it's simply, say that bad thing happened yes.
0: psychologically. Mm-hmm. You get this rise
1: in CO2. If you're tolerant to that CO2, you can go, okay, I'm good here. Heart rate came up a little bit, not much.
0: You can assess the situation, you can be more neutral as opposed to up and down.
1: And it's it's that would be a psychological or cognitive thing, but there's also just physiological, your heart rate won't go up as much. Mm-hmm. And you're, okay, we're good here. We're fine, right? You're not going to make any emotional decisions. Right. You're not going to make any physical actions. You're Re- not going to change React. Your, yeah. your ventilation strategy. You're resilient to it, right? Someone who is sensitive to it has the smallest little thing come in, and they're gone, right?
0: right. The wreck. I,
1: this is the peop- these are the people who are, oh, if I don't have my coffee in the morning, like, don't talk to me. This, right. this <laughs> horribleness, right? Like, it was... Like we call these people precious. You should be more sensitive. you should be more resilient uh-huh. to daily stressors. Yeah. But you should be fairly sensitive to things like I feel like I'm not drinking enough water today. Mm-hmm. I want a lot of sensitivity there, because now you can quickly recognize change in behavior and pattern. Yeah. But some stressors we want you to be resilient towards. I want you to be resilient towards running 20 miles.
0: Yeah. Right? 26.2, but yeah, it's counting.
1: <laughs> but I want you to, I want you to be sensitive to going, hey. My heart rate's a little bit higher mm-hmm. last time than I ran this pace because now I don't need as much tech to give me feedback because right. that's what that's one of the problems with the tech, especially um, training and physiology-based technologies. Is they're outsourcing your own endogenous awareness?
0: The heart rate monitor or something else? Totally,
1: well. right? And this is what the, our entire Unplugged book was about. It, it's not that training tech is bad. Obviously I use it with every professional athlete I work with, but you don't want to outsource your physiology to a clumsy tech mm-hmm. it can be good for calibration it can be good for establishing I don't know what a heart rate of 150 is I right an right idea.
0: It's an assessment tool It's more of like where am I at? Totally. Not a continuum tool necessarily. 100%. Yeah, an assessment every now and then. Okay, let me recheck later. Yep. But using your brain or your body or your own senses to assess on a consistent basis is what I'm hearing is probably more yeah. an alignment to a healthier long-term constructive life.
1: Absolutely, because then what happens when you're Michael Phelps and you're in the pool in the Olympics and your goggles broke? Oh, yeah. And he still broke world record. Yeah. The, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but what happened is goggles break in the middle of the race, right? He can't see. Now, you know how important it is to be able to see when you're swimming, especially oh, yeah. when you're trying to break a world record, because yeah. you can't veer, right? You finish it, and the story goes, his coach had actually made him practice without his goggles mm-hmm. in case something to like this To prepare for it, yeah. So he learned how many strokes it takes. He learned how far he's traveling, and he could just count, and then he knew when to reach.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing, know. isn't it?
1: So if we kind of wrap that part up is, if you think about the entire optimization, if you want to call it that for human physiology, you have to think... It's my position that the entire existence is a human race. We have strived for two primary goals, and that's it. Reproduce, right? The second one is m- reduction of stress. Mm. We're now realizing, though, it worked.
0: We have all these comforts, right?
1: We went too far, right? We developed culture for safety in numbers, right? We developed agriculture for safety of food. We developed indoors for safety of thermal stress. And we've strove for one central goal. Every technological advancement we've ever done is to mitigate stress. Mm. Now what happens when you go into space and we have completely reduced all stress? Your physiology tanks in a matter of days. Wow. So getting to Mars is not going to be a rocket problem. It's going to be a physiology problem. Interesting. We can't replace enough stress. With our current lifestyles, your question initially, and I'm whatever, 10 minutes into finally answering your question, why are we at these problems? It's simply because we have not realized what stressors we want to place on ourselves, and which ones we're acceptable removing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We've just removed all as fast as we can. So, if you want to take this from a lifestyle, if you want to take this from a happiness, if you want to take this from a movement or nutrition, any of these ones are—it's going to work. Yeah, we have to have a better understanding of what are we trying to go after. So, we have to come back and now artificially engage in weird stress yes. like exercise.
0: Yeah. Because it feels like, I think I can speak for most of the human race. And correct, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong here. It yeah. feels like most of the human race wants to be happy, wants to be healthy, sure, wants to have quality relationships and feel loved, Yeah. wants to, and wants to live a longer life. They want to be around longer. Uh, yeah. I, maybe I'm off and tell me if I'm wrong if that's, but I feel like most of humanity wants those things. I think you're probably pretty close. Right. And maybe they want to have status or something else or have a, you know, fulfillment in their their work or something. But those are the things. They want to be happy, healthy, quality relationships and extend their life as long as they can in a healthy way. Is it better to do that to live in complete comfort or what types of stresses do we need to be putting ourselves to also have all those things and extend our life as long as we can? Um, or if we're living in complete comfort, will we die earlier?
1: Yeah, clearly. There's no doubt, right? So you're gonna...
0: And when it's too much stress, like you're actually gonna die earlier because you're stressing yourself too much.
1: This isn't, this is what we do. uh, This is the entire point of everything I do with a professional athlete, right? We're trying to assess what we'll call hidden stressors, Uh visible stressors. We're gonna match that with a recovery capacity, right? If you outkick your coverage, in other words, your hidden or visible stressors are higher than your recovery capacity you're going to block adaptation. Okay. Right? Now, if I can move the lever on an increasing recovery capacity or I can reduce a stress, total stress load, fine. Well, the backside of that coin is the only way we get adaptation is through stress. So, a reduction of stress is adaptation. not lot What's adaptation? Any change.
0: Okay. It's Any change. The only way we grow is through stress or shrink. Interesting. Okay.
1: Either way, right? It's going to have to be some stressor. Um, it's inertia. Mm-hmm. If I put a, if I throw a ball in space, it will continue at the same speed for forever because there's no external stress. Mm. We have external stress here. Physiology is optimized with stress.
0: Right. Not without. The body is optimized with stress. Yeah.
1: It functions
0: its best
1: with stress because it needs to continually provide maintenance. Imagine if in this building... You just fired every maintenance person. It's not going to work its best. (laughs) You want to have some small changes there. Let's get the carpet out. Let's do this. Let's change out. You're going to to see improvements,
0: right? Mm -hmm. Take the trash out, everything, yeah.
1: Totally, yeah, right? That's like a figurative and a quite literal example. So another paradigm that's important to think about is what we'll call optimization versus adaptation. Okay. So just like I had my, and you're going to see this a lot, by the way, like I love to have kind of numbers and, and systems. Every choice you're making in your day is moving you more towards optimization or adaptation. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, what the key is, is understanding when we want to hedge for one versus the other. And I can give you some examples. If you um, had, like, say you spent some time and you figured out what your optimal morning routine is.
2: Yeah.
1: Awesome. I want people to do that. That's fantastic. Huge believer in understanding what makes you feel incredible. However, that's pushing towards optimization, right? So you're gonna not do work, you're gonna, um, you're gonna lose time in your day, you're gonna do all these things that yeah. are gonna come at an expense, and you're gonna feel great that day. The downside of that optimization is you're blocking adaptation, right? Because you're no longer getting better at dealing with a suboptimal day. Fine, so when you say, okay, look, I've got a very important meeting, I've got a game today, I've got something to do, I want you to know exactly what it takes for you to feel fantastic, starting 24 hours or more out. Let's get on this thing. Let's get in this sleep. Let's get everything mm-hmm. dialed. I'm going to feel great tomorrow. Yes. If you try to practice that every single day, you're going to become incredibly sensitive.
0: Which means if something's off.
1: Anything is off. You just oh, uh,
0: interesting. So you have the optimal routine, but if your alarm clock goes off too soon, or you get a phone call, or something happens, and you wake dog up, dog wakes you up in the middle. Now of the, day, the whole day is off. Is the what whole you're saying. thing is screwed interesting
1: because you became way too sensitive so i want you, you to become have... too
0: reliant on it to being perfect in a certain way
1: mm-hmm. and we've seen this a lot with breath work stuff where people are just like if i don't get my whole breath work in like i can't focus mm. if i don't have my nootropic and i don't have my full like that's not if you can't function without coffee
0: that's not good
1: and caffeine's fantastic yeah like that's a really bad position to be in because you're back to being precious now yeah. If anything happens, not resilient. I can't take you in the woods. We can't go hunting for five days because you're not going to be able to Function. plug yeah. in your head. <laughs> out, like, like, no. Like, yeah. We need to be able to survive mm. in difficult situations. Huh. Obviously, our lives, what we consider to be a difficult situation now, is far less than what it, on average, used to be. Yeah. Um, certainly, some people are dealing with like really difficult things, but for the most part, as a global average in this country the bar has gone up, life, uh-huh. life is pretty good.
0: Yeah, we're not in the woods all day, yeah.
1: So how do we figure this out? We need to think through, from an athletic perspective, it's very easy, right? In the off-season, for example, we're not driving optimization. I'm not peaking you for tomorrow when I'm mm-hmm. six months out from a game. I'm driving adaptation. Here's what that means. You're not going to feel great today. Things aren't going to be perfect. Um, our HRV numbers are gonna be down. Our, I'm not gonna give you an optimal pre- and post-workout Mm-hmm. and we're not going to dial these things in. We're going to put the body under higher stress in the areas we want. We're yeah. going to remove them in the areas we don't want, but general stress load is going to go up. And I may, Interesting. I may cut out a little bit of your recovery capacity.
0: Make it uncomfortable for you.
1: I want yeah. you to become more resilient. I want the, the physiological requirements for recovery to have to go, we don't have enough here. Upregulate. Mm. Build more mitochondria. Be more tolerant to... Um, the connective tissue be more tolerant to the stress load.
0: Mm-hmm. Whatever
1: thing we're trying to push. Yeah,
0: you're going to feel more soreness today. You have to push through the soreness, whatever. Yeah.
1: All these things, right? Now we're going to roll into season in this example and say, let's now push towards optimization. And I could give you some examples of this, mm-hmm. but we've done work with things like taper. And you know what taper is, but I'll explain for non sport folks.
0: Like tapering off? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you've trained the entire season, yeah. for example, and then the last couple of weeks you say, back down practices Yeah,
0: so we can get ready for the playoffs
1: the whole idea is you've actually overloaded your system the entire season Mm -hmm. and now when you back off that volume intracellularly you recover
2: Mm -hmm. so now
1: performance jumps up and we've seen this actually we've taken biopsies of folks uh, pre and post like a three-week taper and we've seen improvements of like 10 to 15 percent in fast twitch muscle size wow through the taper
0: wow how long does it taper? Like a three cu- weeks. A couple weeks, yeah.
1: And we've seen this with as little as two. And this is now like a generally a 50% reduction in volume. So if you're running 30 miles a week and you go down to 15 for a week, you could quite literally see a giant increase in fast twitch muscle fiber size by simply doing less. Wow. That only works though because you worked really hard
0: yes. before that. For like three months, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you just have to have a bit of a strategy. Yes.
1: And for not non athletes, the same thing happens for this longevity scheme, right? Mm. So what you're trying to run the equations on all the time are, okay, what have I become really sensitive to? and What have I become really resilient against? And am I driving too much optimization? Because if you are, mm. you're probably shortcutting your long-term. It's what we call the short game versus the long game. So sometimes I want you to play the short game. Um, I don't want you to spend too much time pushing for... Uh, another way to kind of think about this adaptation versus optimization is immediate versus delayed gratification. Yep. If you always choose immediate gratification, I don't need to explain to you why that's mm-hmm. a problem. However, if you always choose delayed gratification, you're you're now asking a recipe for mental health issues.
0: Mm. Give me an example why.
1: You're not present. Mm-hmm. You have this big thing and congratulations, like you you made the big sale. Okay, yeah, but we know like we got to... You're always kicking the, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you're never having that piece of cake. You're never taking that day off. You're never present. Mm. And you've probably had a million people on the show before talk about the importance of presence, right? If you're worried Mm -hmm. about the past, you know what that is. If you're worried about the future, that's a different thing. So having some semblance of presence is critical. So you want to pay attention to, hey, you haven't been happy. Um, I've had this happen with athletes Winning Olympic gold medals.
0: Yeah, and then depression right after.
1: Immediate depression, yeah. right? I, I can't. Tell have you, you seen how that
0: I, that movie, The Weight of Gold? No, it's a documentary called The Weight of Gold.
1: Yep, I You, get should, it.
0: you should watch it. It's it's powerful. It's a, and it's about kind of like the depression cycle that these elite athletes have after the Olympics, specifically with the Olympics because very real because it's like you train for eight or sixteen years for one moment, and then there's no more vision, there's no more goal once you retire. I guess so.
1: It, it's even more acute than that. Yeah. You, I've seen this before. Like you walk off and you have these NBA world championships, UFC mm-hmm. belts, and it's like I'm not even happy right now.
0: Yeah. Or like it's the, not next, even like, I'm the next day, it's like you're not yeah. even happy right then. No.
1: And that's because it's too much of like, okay, yeah, yeah we had a great day, but like,
0: or you focused on the mistakes you made, or I could have done this, or I missed, I missed the shot or the goal or totally whatever. Yeah. That's workaholics. Like yeah. you're, gonna,
1: you're gonna have all these problems.
0: too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award winning app, State Farm, lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're too focused on acute happiness, though, yeah, you're eating sugar all day long, you're having, you know, <laughs> you're not sleeping, you're just partying nah, all day. I'll probably I
1: have four or five hours worth today, probably good. Like, yeah. Now nah, you're, you're there. So. All these things are a calculation you're running, and I think you can challenge these with every aspect of your day, whether that's your work, it's your food, it's your relationships. All of these things you need to think carefully and go. You know what? Maybe I should. Uh, I'm gonna invest in more sleep right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna eat it with my job right now. Yeah. Um, we, we have what we call a snapshot or a quadrant. So you get 10 points. Give me an example. I give you 10 points. I'm gonna make you do this right now. Okay. You ready for this? Um, you have four categories. Mm-hmm. Category one is
0: relationships. Okay. So is this is like a four quadrant? Bingo. Bingo. Okay. Relationships.
1: Category two is physical. Category three is recovery. Okay. And category four um, is you, we have relationships, like physical, recovery, and um, business. Oh, of course, business. Like business life, like job, all that stuff. hmm so now each one of these categories is changing based on you. So what's mm-hmm. relationship means to you? Like that's not the same for me or whatever. Right. What's business mean for you? That's just, so whatever these things need to make sense for you, makes sense for you. And you get 10 points. Okay. So the question, and this is part one of one through ten. One through 10 total. So you've got to tell me how many points you want to put in every category.
0: You only have 10 total points. Ten total in points. each category or all? Total. Okay. So what, what's the points mean? like?
1: How much of your energy are you going to put into each one of these for the next, let's say, eight weeks? And I like to do these in short seasons, right? So it could be a month, but I like eight weeks better. So right now, for the next eight weeks, Lewis, how many points are you going to put in your relationships?
0: I mean, I feel like I put a lot of my relationships. I feel like I put a lot in all these,
1: though. You only get 10. So if I give nine here, max. then I only get... Zero. Your, your, your 10 may be higher than my 10, uh-huh. right? But your 10 is still your
0: your max capacity. Sure, sure, sure. So I can only use 10 points in all, mm-hmm. total. So you know do what's three 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 four.
1: And now what's that number?
0: Oh, so three 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 one, right? It's like bingo.
1: Here's the problem. So put them down. Let's start with uh, recovery.
0: I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like it's hard. I mean, uh...
1: So how much are you doing for physical and mental recovery every single day? Relative like... to, let's start with business.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. How a... much of
1: your day is focused around business-related things?
0: You're saying like there's 24 hours in a day.
1: How much of your energy, your it overall, it's not like time per se, it's gotcha. like, how much does it take from your soul?
0: I feel like uh, this is probably a four.
1: Four, great. So now we got six points left across the next three categories. Uh-huh. How much is your physical training, your exercise, your breath work, your, motor, your this mobility? This is probably a,
0: a two, 1.5? Can I no do that or five. not? Okay, I'll do a two.
1: All right, so now you got, how much are you putting into your relationships? This could be family. This This could be even your people you work with and and building. This is
0: probably a three and then a one, right? All right,
1: cool. Fine. So here's what I'd say. There's nothing wrong. Your split is your split. Yeah. Here's what I'd say is, is that split matching your current goals?
0: Well, I mean. And here's
1: the thing. Physical to recovery can never be higher than a two to one ratio. So you can't have a four in physical training and a one in recovery. Uh So this is
0: perfect then. This is (laughs) perfect. (laughs)
1: <laughs> two if, to one. if you don't want to make much progress in your physical training
0: because you're right, only giving 20 percent right well i'm thinking about the time like i spend an hour two hours a day of my time towards physical training nutrition i guess yeah
3: but like
1: so that's up to you right so right, right. what we're going to do then is we're going to take that and we're going to put that in front out here with the rest of your team and mm-hmm. you're going to put that on your cell phone right and every couple of whiles we're going to check in and say louis did you you haven't done, you skipped your mobility again today. Mm-hmm. Are we really getting to here? Are we getting half as much time in your physical training as we are in your business? And the answer is no. You're not holding consistently mm-hmm. against what you said. And this was our agreement. Right? Mm-hmm. You made this agreement to your boyfriend, you right, right, this right. To mom, whoever your coach is, right? So we're, we're helping understand, and then we're going to do this again. And, and, and you may say hey look right now like we got this stuff moving business wise yeah
0: right so put more energy here as opposed to yeah
1: it's just acknowledging it and mm-hmm. it's, it's hugely helpful for the high performers because yes. we want your family to see this too and so when you go hey look we're in the playoffs
0: right now um, I'm not gonna have time for you I'm dad's going calls.
1: six in, in physical yeah, going yeah. four in recovery <laughs> yeah not the zero <laughs> I, have, I have athletes that do this it's like they're 10 weeks out and they hug their family and okay like that gonna see you in 10 weeks Yeah. they're not moving out but like
0: they're focused.
1: They know emotionally, I'm I'm going to try to be here, but it's just not going to yeah. be there. And if there's a question of like, can you go to Tommy's practice versus go see your, like you're going to, that yeah. choice is made. Right. And we're just going to hold you consistent to that choice. And it's very helpful for understanding mm-hmm. where we're going to go. However, the final key here is once you've hit that mark, we have to reassess. And we mm-hmm. have to go, look, you can't just have a permanent six on business. No. It's not, you're, you're going well, to
0: Well, this is what fire, I love. Right? I loved, I love, uh, looking at life in seasons just from like sports, um, you know, as an athlete, it's like you can never have a season nonstop forever. There's always an end to a season and then there's the postseason, or the off season, whatever you want to call it. And then there's a preseason and then there's a season and then there's the playoffs. So it's like that end of the season, you got to give yourself a date when the end will be. So you can reassess and say, is this working for me? Do I still want to be doing this? Do I want to try something new in my life? and create a new vision for the next season of your life, which I think is valuable.
1: I, I couldn't agree more, because yeah. if not, you end up getting this, and this, like, by the way, this is the most common split. Yeah. By f- Like 80% of people are gonna put this on their first yeah. try. Right? Exactly that. Yeah. I could actually, I probably should have done like a magic trick before, yeah. so let me guess he's gonna go four, three, two, one. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it everyone. Right? <laughs> um, if you run that the rest of your life, you're just going to continue to move at a very slow rate.
2: Uh-huh.
1: You have to come and go, okay, you know what, look, we did spend the next six months, we built this company.
0: Uh-huh. We got this project Yeah, because it takes momentum to build something and launch something. It's going to no take question. more effort and time on one thing. But then you got to focus back on your body. Or the goal would be, hopefully, to have things kind of balanced after you launch things, right? No, or no? not really. Huh.
1: I don't think, because if you end up having an equal balance of everything, you get very little done.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I actually like sprints. Totally. I haven't slept, and we went nuts for two months, whatever the thing is. I'm going to go full recovery. We're gonna go two business and maybe we're gonna do it for two weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Fine. And you, you know, take what? a month off or yeah.
1: not even. It could just be like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna work from eleven AM to two. I'll work three right, hours a right, day, right, whatever right. the case is, and it's just not gonna get done. We're gonna lose that sale. We're gonna like money's gonna come down twenty percent, fine. Mm-hmm. But I have to repay back this physical debt.
2: I have ask, to pay this yeah. emotional debt back. Mm-hmm. I gotta
1: spend time with my relationship I debt. I yeah, haven't called my stuff. mom yet back. Like it's I'm gonna hate myself when if All these things you know are true, you just have to now invest and go. Because, like, I know, like, I know you have to just do the 100 hour work week sometimes. Uh huh,
0: yeah. If you're launching something, if you want it to be successful, you have to. You can't just show up two hours a day on a business that no one knows about. When we're preparing for world
1: title fights or four years into an Olympic quad. There are plenty of times when it is just like nothing else is going
0: yeah, on. Yeah, you, you don't even get to call your mom. No, just <laughs> She gets one minute a day. Going cabin, no mom, no well, kids. here's the thing. Here's, the one, here's one thing I want to ask you about is um, sleep. You know, one yep. of the things that I've heard from a lot of the sleep scientists and doctors out there from, you know, Dr. Matthew Walker to Huberman to yep. Sean Stevenson who studied a lot about this as well um, is that you can't pay off sleep debt is what I've heard. Like, if you're, you know, two hours behind on sleep, what you should be getting, the brain just functions slower from what I've been told by scientists. And if you keep doing two hours less every day or you only get four hours or five hours of sleep, like the body is not gonna be able to recover. You're gonna be slower thinking based on the studies that they've done. So what have you seen where if people are lacking sleep, are you able to still be focused and recover? And can you pay off that debt if you miss a few hours every week for years, can your body actually recover?
1: Um, It's a bit of a pedantic argument. Okay. Um, My general response is, I like the message of, no, I'll just like sleep when I'm like, I hate that idea. No,
0: sleep when I'm dead, yeah. No, 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 like you're going to be dead. You're gonna die sooner.
1: It's no good, right? So as a general thing, I think it's a good message to put like, hey, you need to invest in your physical health and sleep is a huge cornerstone to that. Having said that, I think people, and these are not Matthew Walker's words, by the way. This is mm-hmm. what people have interpreted, as he was saying. There's some confusion on what sleep debt in, is and is not. So if you missed two hours of sleep last night, that's not two hours. Well, you can't travel back in time. Yeah. So yes, technically, you'll never recover those two hours. Like, literally, not going to happen. Totally get it. But don't think because you've not slept two hours tonight that you'll never recover some physical state ever possible again. Uh That's not sleep debt. What he's saying is you can't sleep three hours a night during the week and then sleep 15 on the weekends and think that that's equal. Mm -hmm. That's a bad idea. So I would absolutely agree with the the idea of sleep debt like that is something you want to avoid. Um, I would also agree that if you want to perform cognitively and physically at your highest level, sleep should be a major core.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would probably argue the top. So I've spent so much time in that area. So I'm a huge proponent of that. I'm a big believer in it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I deal with athletes that are, take a major league baseball player. We're going to go into different time zones.
0: Right. Every three or four days. Yeah, it's right? tough.
1: Um, we, we, we have to deal with this problem. Mm-hmm. And so we have to come up with solutions for that. And we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you can recover. Yeah. Like There's no question. You can come back to baseline. Um, It's a question of this. Think about your body tends to like spikes versus slow ramps. So what I mean by that is a huge insult physiologically matched with an equal amount of recovery tends to lead to positive adaptations. A tiny bit of stress... When you mean
0: an insult, a huge insult meaning like, okay, I'm going to the gym, I'm hitting it hard for a couple hours, I'm going to tear the muscles to a certain point.
1: Yeah, and and there's actually not much muscle tearing there, but
0: you get the Be idea. sore, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be sore, I'm gonna, yeah. be, I'm gonna be in pain, right, okay? And then uh, I'm gonna go to fatigue, whatever it is. And so you're saying a big insult in the body, Yeah. stress.
1: A, a totally important point that you don't care about, and I promise I won't lose the message yes. here. You do not need to get sore for a quality workout, at
0: all. For a quality workout.
1: For having a, a productive exercise session, soreness is a terrible metric of okay. productivity. We can come back to that if you want, but I don't yes. want to lose what you're really trying to get at because that was just a, yes. kind of yes, example yes. you are saying. So I understand. Um, so we can flag that and come back if yep. you want. Um, but yes, in theory, whether this is a, a food insult, whether this is a sleep insult, whether this is a hormonal, it is a thermal stress, this is why things like cold cold hot, hot yeah they are big whole cow we're going to see a, a change in ventilation mm-hmm. we're going to see an endocrine response which is hormone mm-hmm. release right we're going to see all these physiological changes um, this is what we're after we if want that you match it with an equal amount of rigor recovery
0: sleep rest
1: done right you yeah. get in a cold bath um 30 degree water you're going to see immediate, <gasps> boom, everything is yes. going to shoot up. You're going to get out what you're going to see. In fact, if you look at like HRV. So HRV is a measure of autonomic nervous system. So this is, um, think of this as like a global measure of your stress load. Okay. Now there's the the parasympathetic, parasympathetic side of the equation, which is kind of like chill. And then sympathetic, which is like fight or flight. So you want this high HRV score because this is generally saying you are in a Nicely parasympathetic mode when you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. If you get in the ice, and we've done this with a lot of professional athletes, not like one setting. We're talking about like weeks and weeks of daily and metrics and months of metrics. Your HRV score when you get in the ice is going to plummet. It's, you're going to flip into sympathetic nervous system uh-huh. as fast, and remember, low HRV is bad. Okay. You get out of the ice, within 30 minutes, your HRV score will be higher than it, when it was when you started at 60, 90. 180 up to 270 minutes post that, it'll still be higher than it was at the beginning. So a three-minute jump in cold water can provide a pretty lasting positive physiological response. And that's Mm, exactly what I mean by short-term shock matched by get out, okay,
0: breathe. Relax for 20 minutes, yeah.
1: Totally. You're going to see a higher basal state If you want to think about it, then you what you did before. That's a a really easy example
0: of a quick higher base state of what?
1: In this particular case, HRV, which is a again like a rough global metric of what's your physiological state.
0: And you want that. You want it to be higher. You're higher. Yeah, performing better. better.
1: You're more under control. Interesting. So
0: less. Is, Is that good to do on a daily basis? These short shocks, whether it be extreme hot, extreme cold, extreme whatever you know, extreme sprinting really quick, something like that, kind yeah, of daily or?
1: Yeah, I think so. No. Um, but they don't have to be the same thing. So you uh-huh. don't have to ice every day. You don't have to do max heart rate intervals every day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you could do something that requires tremendous concentration.
0: Mm-hmm. Focus. You, yeah. you can
1: make a, get like, yeah, I'm going to do 90 minutes of just completely involved work. I'm going to do a meditation session. I'm mm-hmm. going to breath work. I'm going to be totally engaged with my partner and just really have a 45 minute conversation where we're just locked like Physical touch. All of these things can represent these short intense bursts, mm. right? So if you're an exerciser like like us, like that's going to come a lot of times yeah. in the form
0: of working out. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, food related things. There, there, there's of course supplementation and, and other areas areas to get to it. What you don't want is just a wandering baseline where you're like slightly underslept. You're slightly overfed,
0: Mm -hmm. like you have
1: a little bit of stress, but it's not like the kind of stress you want. That's not good
0: stress. It's like
1: you're not totally focused and then like work builds up and then like you're kind of a jerk to your kid. That's that's a recipe for all things bad, right? Mm -hmm. Loss of productivity, loss of relationships, all these things got worse and we didn't drive adaptation. So we didn't get better. Interesting. Because of it. So those are the areas we want to stay away from. Um, you could, you could, I could give you physiological examples, but you're getting the point. Right?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so that's where we want to be mindful of. With sleep, for example, chronic slight under-sleep is, is going to lead to that area of, okay, like I just, now all of a sudden, I don't feel great. And I feel like my energy's down. And we just have these continual degradation of physiological state. So then we have to come in and mm-hmm. spend way too much time running. Diagnosis and figure out. Okay, is this? It's one of four. Bad sleep is one of four areas. It's psychology. It is physiology. It is environment, or it is um, your pathology.
0: What is pathology?
1: So you could have something going on. Um, like if we ran, you could have. Um, there's a, there's a particular issue where your legs twitched all night, right? You have. Um, Things like that, where, where uh, your tongue is falling in the back of your neck and you can't breathe, and you're being shot awake. So some sort mm-hmm. of negative uh, actual state. You could have some sort of physical induced sleep apnea.
0: Right. So the four parts of bad sleep is psychology, which is essentially like the way you're maybe you're thinking or ruminating all day, you're worrying about something, and you're not able to calm your thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Essentially, this,
1: this comes into a variety of areas. Either I can't turn my brain off at night. Yeah.
0: This is this like, used to be me for most of my life. Totally. Yeah.
1: Super easy fixes for that, by the way, for the most part.
0: I wish I had that. Well, <laughs> I okay. feel like I had, I feel like I had that in the environment. We didn't have air conditioning when I was a kid growing up. Yeah, I mean. So I was just sweating in the middle of the summer, just like I can't sleep, <laughs> and then you're just like ruminating on why you can't sleep. Totally. Um, no sheets, no blankets, just like uh, and my dad didn't let me have a fan on me because he's like it's gonna make you sick, <laughs> you know? Just oh like, no way. No. Yeah, so I couldn't have a fan on, and he mm-hmm. was like, "This is gonna make you sick." <laughs> So I just had to sit there like for two hours every night, like hoping to sleep. Well, you became
1: very resilient. I know, right? (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh, man! So I feel like the psychology, the environment is one thing, and you hear people talking about having a sleep sanctuary and really like the different things you can do with. Dark out, uh, yeah, so the, the snake plants to create more oxygen, the, yeah. the sheets, the temperature, everything for the optimized sleep is the key, right? So yeah, the, so, so the with, with the environment,
1: you want to pay attention to a handful of other things. Most people are hip to light.
0: Yeah, the light is sound. Right. Yeah. But there's
1: other things that we can measure, like we were, I was talking before the show. Right, we have a box that we can just sit in the end of your desk. Uh, I like that. And it's gonna run full environmental diagnostics. I wanna try that. So this is gonna measure everything from like your CO2 cloud, which is, again, going back to our beginning of our conversation, you're gonna take a breath in, and you're gonna breathe out CO2. Well, when you're sleeping, that because you're not going Right. You're just barely moving. So that CO2 basically seeps out. Wow. Well, if that CO2 hovers around your face and you're re-inhaling CO2, what's happening? It's not good. It's going right back up again. Mm. (laughs) shooting awake or even if you're not physically shooting awake you're going to be shot out of sleep stages mm. right? which is what we're trying to get into right and you can go back to i'm sure listen to your episodes with walker and yes. and andrew and they've talked about the very sleep stages mm-hmm. so if we can figure out hey you know what like actually it's not you don't need to wear the blue blockers not <laughs> that you don't but like you don't yeah. have all these things that people are thinking you've Sprayed tried everything all these supplementation you've tried changing your diet you have changing all these things you're done and you're still not sleeping well, maybe it's as simple as the fact that the air ventilation in your room mm. isn't moving the air off your face.
0: Oh. So having some circulation.
1: Totally. It has to be yes. the right type of circulation because if the air conditioner it goes, grr, yeah, yeah. now we've fallen. Sorry, I that it was really loud. Yeah, yeah, but
0: yeah. It's yeah. falling now back into there. Yeah, I actually like the, uh, some sa- like not sound, but more like uh, oh, airflow. Air air yeah. Like hearing the, 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 the air flowing makes me sleep easier than silence. Like, yeah. I get like worried when it's just silent. I don't know. Uh,
1: you're, you're very normal. Yeah. Most people are going to say put a bi-. this is why white noise machines Or Like work, a little right?
0: fan or something, yeah, just to hear it. Totally, like,
1: right? It also drowns out the bottom level of noise.
0: That's true. Any other little sounds that you might hear from the outside, yeah, and that's interesting. Can't hear it, right? Huh. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at any. You said pathology. What was the third one? Psychology, environment, something else in pathology? Uh, physiology physiology this is like so this is where we're your body's measure, twitching or you're sore you're in pain no no this is no. going to be
1: quite literally uh your melatonin levels throughout the night before gotcha. throughout the day it's cortisol levels it's dhea levels it's everything that goes the phys- serotonin dopamine um, all these things that you can do supplementation wise or food wise are affecting the physiology
3: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off.
4: The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories, but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
1: So what we're going to try to do is run through, if you do the very standard sleep hygiene stuff, and that's not working, now we've got to go down one of these these areas and figure out maybe there's simply a polygen pollen or some environmental mm-hmm. thing going on in the air mm. that's blocking up your nose and all of a sudden you can't breathe through your nose. And now you've gone to mouth breathing at yeah. night and you've probably talked about that a bunch. Of course, of yeah, why yeah. That's bad.
0: James um, Nestor, yeah.
1: Yeah, you can look at the nitric oxide issues. So endothelial function's down. So if you're a little bit older, and you've lost nitric oxide function, mm. and or you're not getting high nitric oxide concentrations out of your food. And now if you've got the double whammy, which tends to happen, poor food and age, boom. Like, now we have physiological problems. So it may not be any of the environment or psychology, but you're kicking awake. And then when you kick awake, you start thinking. And now you yes. think it's a psychology problem, but really your physiology was just too close to high alert. Mm-hmm. And any little thing shot you off. And so you weren't resilient. At all Because you're right on that threshold um, of not being able to do things. And then you can try, you know, I'm sure Andrew's talked about HSRD stuff and just like nuts, right? Uh, Another trick I love for the brain thing, actually, we use this a lot with high performers. and, And by that I mean not just athletes, but high performers, right?
0: Executives and yeah. The
1: brain does not do well for these people that are high drive when you tell it to calm down. Now, if you can't do that, you need to develop that skill.
0: The ability to calm down. For sure. At any moment. Yeah.
1: And meditation, breath work, all uh-huh. this stuff is really effective. However, it tends to do very well when you simply give it a very specific task, which sounds counterintuitive. So you should awake and you can't go back to sleep because you're thinking about whatever the thing is. Um, two ways to solve this. Number one, if it's like, I got to do this tomorrow and this, 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 is a very easy solution is to just keep this right by your bed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wake up and write, okay, boom, 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 boom. And you'll be like, all right. Good. Get it yeah, out, so. yeah. Or the other way is I try to solve my hardest problems in bed when I can't sleep. I specifically, not my emotionally difficult ones, but my hardest what I call wonders. Thought like, you know, I haven't really thought through this concept of optimization. Major. Like, how would this, and I'm just, I'm thinking really hard on something. How am I going to write, the, like, you know, like, what do those data mean? Like, huh? gone. Because you have just, you, you, fall asleep. St- you state changed. Mm. you've given the brain a task and then it goes whoa 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 like that's not what we're doing right now
2: (laughs) really interesting and you
1: just go out so mindfulness is my number one try to just zen back out Mm -hmm. if that doesn't work though, focus on a task that's not emotionally charging for you oh yeah but you really like what's the thing where you're just like man sometimes like sometimes I'll think about I'm a sports fan I played college football like you sometimes I think about like God, can I name the entire nineteen ninety five Mariners roster? <laughs> like, I think I can. Who do I play second base? Like, I want to. You just go through that stuff, so you give it something to do. Yeah. It's the same thing with like a, a parenting or working with employees. Rather than just telling them what not to do. Yeah. You're more effective generally telling it what to do and making it do something mm-hmm. and giving it options. Hey, right. you can think about this, this or this. I'm not just going to run out and say no, 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 because that's really hard for you to just like stop thinking about this damn meeting. Like, that's just. That's really difficult to do. Right, right, it doesn't work. So you know what, okay, you can have these three options. Think about this, this, or this, and you just Mm -hmm. go. And worst case, you lay there in bed happy.
0: Yes, thinking about something, yeah. Worst case. Um, Something I've heard recently from different longevity experts is that building muscle mass is one of the key indicators to living a longer life. I don't know if that's accurate in your studies. It's really accurate. Yeah, so having, you know, for a number of reasons, if you fall and like just to be able to get yourself off the ground so you don't die is one, one thing, having the strength. Also yeah. just like being healthier and living longer and more flexible and things, stuff like that. Well, there's that. physiology
1: too. Remember, skeletal muscle is your biggest organ, uh-huh. which means it's your center house for most of your hormone response. It's going to control and regulate a lot of physiology. It's, your, it's the place where insulin is going to have the most effect.
2: Mm. Um,
1: your cytokines, and myokines, most of this is coming in or out of muscle. It's an amino acid reserve, slightly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which you need amino acids to then build immune cells and brain cells. Everything else requires an amino acid. So it's a storage depot. Um, it has tremendous physiological benefit outside of jumping mm. and looking good. Um, is this the
0: same for men and women? Yes, so should women be thinking about building muscle?
1: 100%. If you look very clearly at the longevity data, you're going to see a handful of things jump out. Um, if you look at studies, and this is Stephen Blair's stuff from 1990, way back, we've known that things like your VO2 max, um, and, and this is something that, again, has been every, in every exercise physiology textbook mm. for 35 years, right? It's nothing new, so it's not like a controversial hot new thing. It's like very well established. VO2 max is a huge predictor of longevity, Lifespan and, and health span. Um, more recently, but even mm-hmm. the last 20 years, muscle function, so muscle size and muscle quality. In fact, a, a really nice review paper came out just this week, Journal of Physiology, um, showing that skeletal muscle cells. So remember, your muscle, um, any one of your muscles, is made up of millions of individual muscle cells. So think about a ponytail. So a ponytail is one, but it's oh, just a composite
0: tons of tons of hairs. Tons
1: of hair. Skeletal muscle is long and thin and in fact, it's one of the biggest cells in all of biology by volume. Mm. So human skeletal muscle is massive. It's multinucleated, which is also very unique, which means all your DNA is held in the nucleus.
0: Mm. Of the muscle.
1: Of the cells, of every cell. That's just how cells work. Most cells have one nucleus per cell. Skeletal muscle has thousands. Mm. And now you imagine having a muscle cell this long, right? And you can see them with your naked eye. You can, uh, I've got stuff where I can pull it up with a tweezer and hold it up in air, and you can see a muscle cell with your naked eye.
2: Wow.
1: We've done that before. Um, in that thing, it could be a few inches long. It's going to have thousands of nuclei spread throughout it. And what this does is allow you tremendous adaptability. So imagine you're running a company all over the nation. Um, if you had one manager and there's a branch in Wisconsin and there's a branch in Florida and a printer breaks in Wisconsin and they got to call you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or you could have a general manager in every single location. Repair happens much faster, which means we can have more turnover, mm-hmm. we can accept more jobs, we can then do more stress, we mm-hmm. can handle more stress, right? In fact, we've seen this in some of our athletes, um, that the ones who recover faster and handle the more volume have more of these mitochondria, mm-hmm. or sorry, have more of these myonuclei. So. The nucleation is what allows you to handle and recover from stress because it's controlling your DNA. It's coming in and saying, we've had an insult here. Reproduce um, the genes necessary to build the protein, in this case, myosin or actin, the proteins that make muscles contract, or more whatever the case is, it's going to build. So you have these greater amount of, of, um, of control there. So having more and higher quality muscle function just simply allows you to go through more physical stress. More physical stress then has tangential benefits to the cardiovascular system, Mm -hmm. bone system, um, uh, brain, like everything else is gonna then benefit from your ability to continue to put yourself through physical stress. You're going to feel better. Um, One of the key associates of muscle strength and size through time is general physical activity. So imagine standing up out of this chair is an 85% one rep max. You're not gonna do it very often. So by having strong legs in particular for men and women means you're much more likely to get up and go check the male, get up and go for the walk, which means general physical activity goes up and we have all those secondary benefits Mm -hmm. associated. So it is hugely important. And the last thing I'll say here is not only is it important for general muscle, but it is incredibly important to preserve your fast twitch muscle fibers. How do you do that? You need to expose them to stress, which means you need to make them move forcefully. That's the central place. So think about it this way. You've got these millions of muscle fibers inside a muscle. Some of them are what we call fast twitch, which means they cur- they contract with a lot of velocity, but they tend to be fatigable.
2: Mm-hmm. So they
1: use primarily or mostly carbohydrates for fuel and less fat and less mitochondria. Great. Their purpose is explosion, force production. Then you have a bunch of slow twitch fibers, and they're the opposite. So they don't contract with much velocity. They yeah. tend to be smaller, but not always. Uh, but they tend to have a lot more mitochondria. So these are, um, these are your anti-gravity muscles. So your spinal erectors are mostly slow twitch because they're supposed to be on, lightly contracted, and just keeping you erect. Your hamstrings are fast twitch muscles. You don't need your hamstrings very often, but you need them to explode, right? So each person has a different amount of fast twitch and slow twitch muscles, and they differ from muscle to muscle based on mm-hmm. functionality, right? Mm-hmm. Even within like the calf, there's two primary muscles: the soleus and a gastroc. Soleus is keeping you vertical, and a gastroc is the one that, like, if you flex your toe towards your face, yeah. is the one that pops out in the inside. Yeah, that's explosion. So, what happens is, general activities of daily living are always going to activate slow twitch fibers, right? So when I take a drink of this yeah. cup,
0: you're not sprinting. Yeah, you're not I'm jumping.
1: actually not activating any fast twitch muscle fibers. Yeah. Because if I did, I wouldn't be able to downregulate force
0: production. Mm-hmm.
1: So I want to start with what's the least amount of force needed. This is what we call the size principle. So Eldwood Henneman, famous neuroscientist, 1950s. He said there's this idea that you're going to activate the low-threshold neurons first. Right? So you're scratching your arm and uh-huh. doing this, right? I'm going to activate the smallest, weakest nerve set. And if you realize I need more force here, you'll activate a little bit bigger and you need more force, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger until that's enough, right? Well, these fast-twitch fibers at the higher threshold, imagine going years and now decades of never turning them on because you never did anything that required high force production. Well, eventually those endings die, they they die.
0: You don't have fast-twitch anymore. You can't sprint, you can't jump, you can't lift heavy things. It's the
1: nerve that stops sending signals. Mm. The muscle fiber can die away and go, or it can stay there. But the nerve then says, you know what? Um, we we're going to re-innervate and grab some of these fast twitch fibers and convert them into slow twitch. And uh, so you have these huge swaths of slow twitch fibers. Interesting. You can't produce force. And so once those are dead, it's, it's gonzo, right? Uh, Regrowing a, novice, a nerve is, is is out of there.
0: What's the best ways to... Anything that requires high force. High force meaning...
1: Anything that feels lifting, kind of
0: heavy. Lifting heavy.
1: Can be jumping. Can be plyometrics. uh, It can be, um, start where you're at. So don't go to the gym if you haven't lifted in 10 years. start squatting 300
0: pounds.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Start with simple movements. Start with single joint machines Mm -hmm. if you have to. I don't care. And then what's heavy? Well, what feels heavy? Okay, great. Next time, a little more,
2: a little Mm -hmm. more, and
1: and stay in movement patterns that are efficient and get a little bit sore is okay, but pushing more soreness is not equivalent for better.
0: Really. Why is why is could you improve without getting sore?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's like my whole job.
0: Really? Yeah. So when when does soreness happen? When it's like okay, you're if you do this much, you won't feel sore. But if you go one rep more, you're gonna feel sore.
1: Yeah, a couple of things to note there. People tend to explain soreness as micro tears in muscle fibers. Uh That can happen, but that's not the primary reason. Um, Most likely, you're disturbing. This is like probably way outside of your audience interest level. You're disturbing calcium concentrations and from the sarcoplasm reticulum to the muscle fibers. Um, so it's not a muscle damage, although that can occur. The things that tend to make you more sore are the eccentric portion. So this is the lowering of stuff. So imagine if you were to do a bench press and you lowered it to your chest. That's eccentric. That's going to cause more damage than the part where you lift pushing it off it, yeah. your chest. Yeah. So if you're doing a lot of eccentric-related movements-
0: You're going to get more sore. More sore. Interesting but you're gonna get stronger too. So if you're doing a pull-up, when you go down and slowly, that's when you're gonna feel sore, but it's gonna make you stronger. Yes. So how do you get stronger without soreness?
1: Control volume. So So how many reps you do? It totally depends on the person. So you gotta figure this out, right? What's the reps I can do? What's the load I can do? And what's the movement pattern? And then how frequently can I do this where, here's my rule of thumb. If you grade soreness on a scale of one to 10.
0: Like I can't walk as a 10.
1: Totally. If you go to zero, you're probably in a place where you didn't cause enough stress. No stress, no adaptation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you go 10.
0: You can't move.
1: You've gone so far
0: in that direction. It might hurt yourself,
1: <laughs> yeah. Most definitely, but also think about it. You're not gonna be able to train again very soon.
0: For four or five days, you can't, you're not gonna function. Worse, Yeah.
1: right? And you're gonna stop moving, you're gonna do all these things. Mm-hmm. And so you actually have killed your own productivity. Mm-hmm. Three. That's Three where four you wanna
0: be. And when does soreness usually occur? The the, curve, the next day or two days later?
1: It depends on the person.
0: Okay.
1: It's going to be anywhere in that. It's what we call DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. It's anywhere in that 48 to 72 mm-hmm. hour, 24 okay. hour, we okay. to
0: say. So what are you usually at then in soreness level? Are you a three, a six, seven? What are you?
1: Uh, I will spend most of my time three to one.
0: Okay. And you're seeing... Sometimes
1: I'm going to four to five to six, um, depending on the phase I'm in. Yeah. If I'm trying to really push it, but then I'm going to do that for four or five weeks.
0: Yeah. But probably. you see that you're getting stronger at a three, you see that like you're becoming- You get
1: stronger to zero. No No question, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go heavy enough um, under controlled range of motion with a low enough volume, so imagine this. I'll give you what I call my three to five principle. So for development of of strength and power, uh, now these are not the same thing, but they're close. Three to five is a very simple rule. If you're an advanced coach, you can go past this, but for the average person, it's a good starting place. So I want you to choose three to five exercises. So if you're feeling better that day, maybe it's closer to four or five. If you're feeling worse or just starting, closer to three. Mm -hmm. Three to five exercises. I want you to do three to five reps per set. I want you to do three to five total sets. So imagine you're gonna go in and you're gonna do a goblet squat, you're gonna do a bench press, and you're gonna do some Mm pull-ups. Three exercises. You'll do one, two, three reps. Take a break, and you do that three times. There's your three sets. You know, maybe you do your pull-ups for three. You could do your bench for three, and you could do your squats for three, and you do that three times. And
0: that's it. You're done, right? Three to five minutes rest. Three to five exercises. Three to five reps per set. Three to five sets.
1: And three to five minutes rest between sets, for the working muscle. So you do your pull-up, you can do other stuff, but by the time you do your pull-ups again, it should be around three to five minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Three to five times per week. Yeah. So again, that's a very general rule. Um, but if you do that, if you want power, stay pretty light and move fast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you want strength.
0: Yeah, do longer, yeah. Go ahead, just go heavier. Heavier.
1: Heavier, right? Now the three to five minutes of rest is like, it's, it's quite it's a,
0: exaggerated. It's a long time of rest, yeah. For, so these, for, for three reps, you're like, okay, I don't need to sit for three minutes.
1: Well, if you're doing a 95% deadlift, yeah, you're going to take three to five minutes. Sure. If you're doing a 95% bicep curl, like, yeah, yeah, you probably
0: yeah. need
1: 20 seconds. Yeah, like, exactly. Let's be real. So it's just a rough idea. Uh-huh. Um, again, for heavy or for strength, it's heavy, right? Because you need to activate those fast with neurons. Um, hypertrophy is a totally different story. But for strength and power, that's that's a it's a very good starting place. Um, yep. Days you feel better, do more. You're not going to get tremendously sore from that stuff because the volume's not really high. Mm-hmm. So the total amount of work, is it's not a lot. It can be yeah. pretty short. Um, you're going to get minimal things there. Um,
0: so if people had 15 minutes a day, that's all they had to give their physical workout, this would be the strategy I'm hearing.
1: You could if you want to do a little bit of power and you're like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here yeah. at all. Let's go. Okay, let's do some. If you know how to do some kettlebell swings. All right. We're gonna do some of those. Um, we'll maybe do some split squats. Mm. So a uh, lunge variation, something like that. And maybe we'll do some push-ups.
2: There you go.
1: Boom, boom, boom. And you're gonna go push-up, split squat, kettlebell swing. And you're gonna pop, pop, pop on those kettlebell swings. And you're gonna push up as fast as you can. You're gonna run through that thing four times.
0: You're done. It's
1: a it's minimal viable. Yeah. Effective, not best, but effective.
0: Right, <laughs> not best. What's best, 45 minutes?
1: No, time domain is relevant. Yeah. Um, in fact, typically, um, the longer the workout is requ- is longer is required for more pure strength and power development mm-hmm. because you Keep need more so rest.
0: rest. Yeah, you need rest.
1: You want to go for hypertrophy or conditioning or something like that. Right. Those can be twenty minutes. Uh-huh. No question. And so it really depends if you're trying to develop skill, then you need more rest, mm-hmm. and that, that's going to be longer. Um, I have actually. A whole series of videos on YouTube where I just I walk down all these things. If you want to know exactly how to do hypertrophy, if you want to exactly how to do endurance or speed or skill, in like five minute chunks of just like yeah. here all the numbers. That's a really easy place to go. But that cu- three to five rule is a pretty good rule.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about nutrition. Say we're we're training at a high level physically,
2: mm-hmm.
0: how important is the quality of nutrition and the right type of foods we're eating? in order to optimize our bodies as well? Or can we train super hard and get away with it if we're having the sugar and alcohol and breads and um, processed foods as well?
1: It depends on your definition and get away with it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I don't work with people who are interested in getting away with it.
0: Right, looking okay. to optimize, yeah.
1: Yeah, so the answer is um, when we program nutrition, we don't do it, uh, calories are considered, of course. It's a, it's a standard place. Um, macronutrients, but most people stop there. Our stuff is, you're gonna get a nutrition plan that is micronutrient developed. So it's not just this as much protein and this as much carbohydrates I want. That's gonna be there. But it's gonna be this is, I want this food choice, this food choice, this food choice, because we need to get this much vitamin A. I want this much zinc based on your labs, what we figured out. Um, Mm. So that's the level of precision we get with these high performers. It is micronutrient developed. Um, Supplementation will then fill in any gaps, especially if we have a time constraint. Or a calorie constraint. Mm-hmm. For example, I've got a fighter and they've got to do all this, but then they have also have to lose 35 pounds. I can't just give them more food. That's crazy, yeah. So we have to play with some supplements <clears there. throat> But the base of it is this, right? So, yeah, yeah we're going to get there. Um, can you get away with it? Yeah. Like, if you saw what most professional athletes eat?
0: Right, they, <laughs> yeah.
1: Completely, yeah. Completely nuts. Um, so, yeah, you can, but, like, you're not going to get in the best spot. Mm-hmm. No, no way. Uh, right we're gonna figure out what their body can handle and what they can utilize the most. And for a high performer, especially someone who's burning a lot of energy, we have to really be really careful about
3: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com pod 50 for 50% off.
4: The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories, but your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley High Performance Sofas and Recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at Ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
1: So we want to make sure that if something is not a fit for them, we don't want to go on there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but sugar is a very beneficial nutrient. Carbohydrates are very, very beneficial for
0: performance. But It's when you're eating it, though, right?
1: Well, it's It's everything. Uh-huh. What are you eating it with what type are you are you drinking um, a Capri sun well there's some times when that's that's not a terrible choice right <laughs> sometimes not at all for what we do right If the average everyday person is just walking around drinking like of course like I'm never I'm never going to advocate for that yeah. that's never going to be the message Most people are burning very little energy uh-huh. we probably don't need much pure sugar most people don't really know what sugar means they think sugar and they think, Capri Suns. Um, they don't really understand what carbohydrates are. So that, like, there's a lot of misinformation around those topics. Uh, in general, carbohydrates themselves, nor sugar, are not inherently dangerous. Um, everything has a hormetic curve, right? Mm-hmm. So everything has a toxicity curve. Water has a toxicity curve, right? If you don't have enough of it, you're going to die of dehydration. Too much, you drowned. Everything has a toxicity profile. So it's, it's about understanding the context and mm-hmm. where that person is at yeah. and what they're doing. Um, so there are plenty of times where... We're going to avoid certain nutrients situations, but then there's others where we're going to use it to the advantage. So I am, I am very fundamentally against the demonization of any strategy. I am very much pro understanding what's the pro and what's the con, Mm -hmm. and then deploying the right tool to get the quickest result in the situation.
0: Yeah, I think people hear carbs and sugar, and they're thinking, well, that's gonna they're gonna gain a lot of fat, right? It's gonna be a lot of fat if you're having too much sugar, too many carbs. If you're not training, and that's what yep. you're doing is eating that. I think a lot of people are worried about the obesity that's happening. You know, what is it, a third now or more than a third of the U.S. is obese? It's an ex-
1: extraordinary
0: number. And now it's going. Depending it's, on how you
1: want to classify it, right. it's either 100 million or 200 million. Either way, it's, it's a lot of people. How,
0: how how, scary of a, you know, factor is obesity for us? How, how worried should we be about Gaining too much excess fat towards our mental states, our moods, our emotions, our thoughts, our longevity, all these things. And so that's part one. And then what would be the main factors that you could say if people don't have all day to obsess over this, but the main factors that it's like, I've got a few things I can do every day to try to burn that fat. What would you say would be those things? Yeah, let's
1: do the first one. Uh, Keep in mind a couple of things. My scientific practice, that's so what we do in our lab. And when I work with athletes, general health is just not an area of my expertise.
0: Right. You're looking to optimize totally. freaks of nature. So it's yes. not
1: the fact that I like <laughs> am disregarding the obesity. It's just not my area of yeah. scientific you see, expertise. You
0: see human specimens that are elite totally. performers.
1: And the occasional executives and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, that. Okay, great. So we've done plenty of that. We have a whole program for... Just that stuff um, where we can come in and you get basically the pro-athlete treatment and then you get on a, mm-hmm. a health plan that, that gets you there. Um, so w- when I typically respond to questions in interviews, my brain is coming from, my default setting is, is this something I would do with my athlete? Yes or no, right? Mm-hmm. Other folks, their default setting is public health, right? And right. so then they say things, I roll my eyes, I'm like, that's totally irrelevant for Fred. But right, they're right. rolling their eyes to me when I'm like, you can't do that. Like, yeah, yeah. So it, it's I just want folks to, I don't understand. Like, it's, it's where we're coming from mm-hmm. perspective-wise of what we're finding interesting. Having said all that, I think you would be very difficult to make a cogent argument that obesity is not a big deal. You're going to have a very difficult time scientifically arguing obesity is okay. Right. Like This is, this is not a place... Um, I don't want my professional athletes being obese i don't care if it's the offensive lineman like it's not adding it's not helping
0: you can be big and strong but not yeah obese
1: now sometimes it's like hey it's just not worth the juice is not worth the squeeze so we just we just do what it is i've got athletes right now competing in in season um that i'm like god i think it'd be great if we lost 10 but Uh it's so far down their list
0: of hidden stressors they're trying to optimize these other areas yeah
1: and we have found other things that are massive performance anchors that we're like, you know what? You're in season right now. There's only so much bandwidth you have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's pull these ones out of the ground yes. and we'll get we'll lose some weight in the off season. Okay, fine. So um, having said that, it doesn't take long perusing the research from every perspective to realize, okay, this is a problem. The second question, okay, like what, what do we do about it? I think it's also difficult to make a cogent argument that anyone has an answer because nothing's worked.
0: Show me, show me how it's worked. Well, it worked for some people, but it's not working for the, the global population because right. people aren't taking action consistently probably, right?
1: Yep. So you could make the argument that, okay, pick whatever eating style you want. Fine. Like, well, it's not working. Well, it work for the, okay, sure, but it's not, like, what, what argument do you want to make? Mm-hmm. Okay, do you want to make the argument of what's going to be the singular solution for mankind? Well, that's, you. you I, I'm going to walk out of that conversation. That's not an answer. Or do you want to talk about like what's generally going to be helpful for most people? Um, so I tend to defer to that because you're yeah. like, well, let's give yeah. people possible solutions. Um, I have seen general population folks thrive on a number of different eating strategies. Um, you can fast. You can not fast. You can eat a lot of carbohydrates and be fantastically healthy. You could eat very limited and be fantastically mm. healthy. Protein seems to be the linchpin um, that is most effective for most people. So in general... Again,
0: Having more protein or less protein? More.
1: If you make sure you hit enough protein, mm-hmm. the carbohydrate to fat ratio for the general population seems to be not irrelevant, but it, it gives you context options. I feel like I do better on high fat. Okay, great. I feel like I do better on high carb. Okay, Okay, like, great. Um, most people are gonna do most better if they lock around protein for a number of, of physiological reasons. So um, we don't have the answers to all this stuff though. So we have to we do have to acknowledge there's a little bit of there's not one magic food. Yeah. That's causing these problems. It is clearly an issue of hyperpalatability. I think you're going to have a hard time arguing that that's not a big contributor. What is that? The fact that food is so
0: available and so good. Oh yeah, yeah. You can eat some abundance of it constantly. Completely, right? Like that you're too many calories, a lot of sugar, too much too much of all of it. Well, too much
1: fat too. Yeah. It's it's both, right? There's way too much of all of it floating around. Um you match that with our lifestyle changes. Okay, great.
0: That we're not but, physically exercising as much, we're not stressing the body the way we should yeah, be. But, yeah,
1: but that's not really helping people because everyone says like eat less and move more. Well, that didn't work either. So what are the solutions? Well, a lot of people are going to come in and say we need to develop uh, drug stuff because people aren't going to just do uh. this. Okay, like I'm not on that train, but I get what you're saying because no- nothing's work. We can't educate. That's not working. No matter. Doesn't matter. Oh, this was wrong. It doesn't. That doesn't matter because there's so many people. It would have worked in a hundred million with all seven billion. It didn't. So landing on a solution here is—it's going to be the only way out of this—is going. We have these three or four things, and this one worked for these people, and this one worked for these people. It's just—it's never going to be the demonization of a food item. Mm -hmm. That's never going to be the answer. It's never going to be a single pharmaceutical. Mm -hmm. Like I, I will argue very hardly against that one. It's never gonna be a single mental health treatment. It's never gonna be a Right. It's probably unfortunately the long game of like, well, let's understand that food matters. And here are a bunch of ways. You wanna go paleo, you wanna go Mediterranean, right, right. you wanna go Okay, start like start testing are, stuff. These yeah, are all yeah. options. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those things were less scientifically valid years ago, and now actually it's like, well, okay, that actually looks like that that works. And um well, you can make a lot of complaining about a lot of them. But yeah,
0: yeah. There's some results here. Yeah, yeah
1: on, on all sides of those, positive and negative, right? Yes. Like you've seen the, the keto thing run up and then run back down and realize like.
0: Right, right. The paleo thing and just be called different names over the years. Totally, and those things, right. Yeah. Or is this Atkins like, to paleo to keto to, yeah, yeah it's like what's what the next What seems variant? to be
1: core to it is there has got to be some sort of caloric regulation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It has to be. I'm not saying yes. calories in, calories out. That's all you have
0: to do. Track your calorie. But there needs to be some of it.
1: Some, there has to be calories.
0: calories are energy. So if totally. you're adding more, yeah.
1: There has to be some regulation. And there's a lot of ways to do it. Mm-hmm. But that has to be there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: More evidence recently is showing that ultra-processed foods are inherently worse, even when for calories.
0: Yeah. That seems to be true. Same, Processed food is not as good for you as... <laughs> totally, right? Um, organic, unprocessed, yeah.
1: I mean, there's a lot of little problems within all those categories, yes. but like as a
0: global message. Now, now, here's the thing. You work with a lot of elite athletes and executives and there's, uh, you know, so many different documentaries and people oh on both sides of the spectrum saying meat is the way and then others saying plant-based is the way. And they they both have cases that, that show different sides that seem pretty compelling. And so what yeah. have you seen? And there's elite athletes that Eat meat that seem to be crushing it, and there's elite athletes that eat plants that seem to be crushing it as well. So, where, <laughs> where is with the athletes you're working with, what are they mostly eating? Yeah, and who are the ones that you're seeing have stronger recovery, strong, uh, faster growth, um, less injuries, yeah. all these different, things, higher performance? What are their nutrition levels typically like?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to intentionally ignore the first half of your question. <laughs> Um, my PSA is stay as far away from those documentaries as possible.
0: All documentaries. All of them. The plant-based, the meat-based, all of them. Because they're all skewing towards one reason. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know what's sort of funny? This is totally unrelated, but it's kind of not. Folks in the journalism space, whether they're making a documentary or selling a book, they love to point out the conflict of interest and bad science. If you think you're getting unbiased like clear, I've yet to see one where it's like, hey, here's a fair, because it wouldn't be interesting. It wouldn't be like oh, right? It wouldn't be, right. well, like have a drink of water and that's equivalent to 28 cigarettes or whatever, like yeah. off immediately, right? That's It's not true, it's not um, it's not a genuine conversation, right? So all those things are the lowest level of information, um, which is sad, because yeah. it's a fun way to learn,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Number one there. Um, number two, for the real part of your conversation is What do our athletes typically eat? Number one, the entire field is moving towards precision. Precision. Absolutely. And this is being able to say, okay, what is right for my body? Um, Now, we have typically said, we've always said that message, but what's that mean? Well, try this, try that. Okay, no. It's not going to work. Go do this diet for six months. I need an answer faster. Can I run analytics on myself right now and get better precision instantaneously? That's where this whole thing is going.
2: Mm. That's
1: our answer. Um, those stuff, some of those things are available now. Some are better than others. Some are, I'd say, hot garbage. I'm not going to name any mm-hmm. of them um, for those reasons. But the ones I don't like now, um, I still like the concept. They're moving the needle, they're, they're trying to move in this direction. Now, some of them are just trying to take money from you and sell false promises. But in general, the food, the, the place, the field is acknowledging. We need to be able to let people know what's most likely to work for them quickly mm-hmm. and versus let them run a six-month. Right. People aren't going to do that. It's yeah. just no way. Um, so with our folks, everything is that, right? It, it's, it's a combination of three main areas. We're going to run labs mm-hmm. in a lot of areas. We're going to do um, what we generally think of these as like surveys. So we're going to do questionnaires. And there's a lot of evidence-based questionnaires for so think about even things that are controversial scientifically. There are evidence-based questionnaires for toxicity exposure. Mm -hmm. There's evidence-based questionnaires for gut health. Um, There's a lot of nonsense around dysbiosis and leaky gut, but there's also science there. So being able to figure out what is the garbage and the guy trying to sell you the next book and convince you that carrots or grapes or, I don't know, I'm making things up. I don't think I've ever heard because I don't want to call anybody out. Um, But there's science there too, right? So let's not throw the Whole thing out. There are evidence-based questionnaires that can help you get guided there. So we're going to look at labs, we're going to look at questionnaires, and then we're going to look at symptomology. Right? How do you feel? Are you noticing this? And then there are there's are science that would we'll be able to say, hey, this is correlated. This symptom is correlated with this. Okay, fine. Correlation is limited to what correlation is. But when you see things land in the middle of that triangle, imagine a Venn diagram. Your symptomology matches your screening. Your screening matches some indicators of labs. Are the labs perfect? No. Are the screens perfect? No. Are these perfect? No. But when something lands in the middle, you've got pretty good indication that to me, I'm taking action. Mm -hmm. I don't know 100% because we don't have a great diagnostic for gut health. But we have some. And we don't have a perfect diagnostic. You see what I'm saying here. When something lands in the middle of that target, to me that starts to become actionable. So that's what we're doing. And we're going to put them on whatever programs they need, whether this is, um, let's say that they are not, they don't respond well to carbohydrates. Are they in a position to where they need to? If they're not, then we're just going to say, okay. Mm. But if you start pulling, for example, carbohydrates out of a diet, you become very sensitive to carbohydrates.
2: Mm -hmm. So when you
1: reintroduce, you blow up and you think, oh my God, I'm terrible. Well, no, you're not bad with carbs. You have down-regulated your ability Mm -hmm. to handle it because it hasn't seen it in a long time. That's a trainable thing. If the athlete, I feel like, is in a sport or position where they need to train that, then we're going to actually train it. Mm -hmm. If not... Like we're gonna say, hey, your body does not handle this. It's not worth the thing. Are we in season? We're pulling it most likely. If we're out of season and we need to get there, we're gonna build it. Cause some discomfort, cause some performance drop. You get the idea. Um, In general, our athletes are eating mostly whole food. right? They're typically going to eat five or so meals a day. Roughly
0: because like, they're performing so high they're, they're training so hard a lot of times you're
1: training twice a day Yeah, they need it. They they, they don't do as well on two meals a day or right. one They right. tend to perform much worse um, because we need that recovery have to happen within hours because we're doing it again
0: Wow, that's crazy. So you need the nutrients to come in to be able to, to train again
1: Totally like yeah. like we don't have 48 hours to yeah. recover muscle glycogen I have four hours right because we're going to train again that day
0: Gee.
1: Hard it's right? amazing
0: um, so what? Uh, so Whole Foods. Whole Foods is seeds, plants, base, fruits, nuts, seeds, all 100%. of it. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, all of it.
1: We're going to go for everything. Is um,
0: anyone just plant-based or just meat-based?
1: I have worked with plant-based athletes before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we have had success. I, I firmly believe. I think the science will show you this. Uh, you can perform very well physically, even as an athlete on a plant-based diet.
0: Mm. Is this what? What sports are we talking? Is this MMA? Like...
1: We've worked with for sure. Uh, plant-based, only plant-based. Hundred percent. And
0: they performed well. Yeah. They recovered well. Successful they
1: MMA fighter for a number of years. Uh-huh. Never won a world championship, but that's that's, right, not right. A that's good hard. Metric.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, I would say yeah, multiple wow. times. We've done it in multiple sports, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, You've also trained. It's harder. It's harder. Tell me why.
1: Yeah, it's, it's harder. We we have to change things more often. We have to be very careful and pay attention to protein intake. Mm. It's more difficult to get because think about this: um, plant-based foods. Can't, you, you can run these these crazy um, schemes where you're like, well, look, the same amount of protein in four ounces of sirloin is the same in this amount of broccoli mm. or peanut butter. Great. But the peanut butter has four times the calorie intake. Mm. When I have a fighter in camp where we are cutting... He's got to
0: f- cut weight. He can't eat that. I cannot do that. He's got to have like pea protein powder or something or whatever. Yeah.
1: And then we're starting to lose effectiveness and oh, availability. Interesting. So in someone who... Again, not like when you don't have these targets and you want to say, can I live a lifestyle? Yeah, sure, and you can do, but calories do start to matter. And this is one of the reasons why we generally call animal sources of protein generally higher sources because it means they have more bioavailable, more complete proteins at a lower calorie calorie
0: Mm. intake. And there's no plant based protein that has a lower calorie intake right now, or there's.
1: To, to the amount of relative amino acids, it's it's difficult
0: to it's, get. It's tough, gotcha. Um, so it's possible it's harder, is what you're saying. It is
1: generally harder. For um, an elite
0: level athlete is what I'm hearing you say. For the general population, I'll put it it's this just way. trying to live a good life.
1: I can't think of a situation in which an athlete would come to me who's not currently plant-based and I would go, I think you do better on plant-based. I don't think, I can, I've never had that conversation in over a decade of professional athletes. Um, I've had many come to me and I've said, okay, like, um,
0: if you want to be plant-based, this is what it's going to take. Right. It might be harder.
1: Totally. And so again, some of them have to, like, it's not actually been that difficult. Like a baseball player, mm. it's not really, like, the physical demands are not incredible.
0: Right. And if you've already been training and you have a baseline, yeah, you don't have to be, like, building mass muscle. For an
1: NBA player, it's it's been more of a struggle.
0: Yeah, because you're burning a lot of calories all totally. day long, running up and down.
1: But it can, like, so if those things are there. Um, It's not inherently better for you. So, like, show me the data that it's better. You're plant-based? Be, yeah. You're not going you're not, you're not to be able to show me it's better. There's, we have no indication at any scientific level that a plant-based diet would be advantageous for an athlete.
0: For an athlete. Gotcha. What about first for a human? I
1: don't think we have any evidence to suggest that it's advantageous for a human either.
0: <laughs> so don't look at these documentaries, obviously. No. Don't watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just truly, again, they're not genuine. That's that's mm, the biggest issue. Right, right.
0: right? They're one-sided to what you're saying.
1: You know, to be honest, I've watched a, a few of them, and I've got Like those, the Game
0: Changers, obviously. You saw that I one. I couldn't do it. You no, couldn't watch. Not going to. I knew. I knew. It's so I, one-sided. Yeah. I'm yeah. in
1: the community. I knew. I knew yeah. this thing was coming. I yes. had actually.
0: Um, it's because they don't also interview the elite on the other side and say. There's well, a
1: host of problems. Yeah. Let's just say I knew about that documentary a long time before it ever came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I get interviewed across this stuff a lot. And yeah. It's just like I, I don't want to support. I, I knew. On
0: either side, you're not watching documentaries. I knew where it was coming, and right, I knew right. it wasn't going to be fair. Right.
1: Um, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to support these things. Um. Which sucks because again, people eating vegetables is great.
0: Yeah, you're and I'm whole don't eat lots of plants and vegetables. Well, I feel
1: like the whole community got stained a little bit mm. because of a, a bad actor, mm. a disingenuous person. It's like I don't like. I don't want that message. I just want like people to know, hey, if you're gonna do it, and there's people who are actually really good in that community yeah. who this is, and it's hey, it's not a panacea. It's also not like show me evidence that. In a, in a reasonable diet that addition to meat is worse, you're not going to see that either. Mm-hmm. So they make these false, they, they do a lot of logical fallacies, um, burden of proof, they're really good at flipping, mm-hmm. and, and a whole bunch of things. So I, I find those things generally very uninteresting to talk about because yeah. you're just like, we're never going to go here. Um, but right. if an athlete came to me or a general person and said, hey, this is what I want to do, I would say, okay, if you're willing to run analytics um, and we can make sure that your micronutrients are on point, then like we can do this. Having said that too, most people who are eating, even meat-based, are not doing it well either. So it's not like it's not right, like right, right. like wow, well, okay, you're getting like. What
0: are they doing wrong? Just in like
1: the same thing, right? Not regulating um, nutrient intake, totally disregarding micronutrients because of lack of understanding. Not regulating um, food intake consistency seems to be a very big deal. So if you look across more recent literature, you're going to see that. So the simple act of eating at a consistent frame um, allows you to will say burn more calories. So you can ingest more calories, say the same way, by eating consistently, uh, compared against an inconsistent eating pattern. So just basic principles like that. We've talked Mm -hmm. about having some caloric regulation. I don't care how you do it. Mm -hmm. Having a a mostly whole food nutrient-based thing. Regulation of, this is what I call my 90%, by the way. It's like 90% of quality diets are gonna do 90% of the same thing,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right? It's these standard principles. It's regulation of um, variety of colors. Mm -hmm. So for polyphenol and a whole host of other important intake, you probably want a decently widespread of colors. You want dark, rich colors. Um, You need to understand fiber intake one way or the other. Um, These are the principles that are going to work mostly for most people.
0: Do you want more fiber or less fiber?
1: Well, so that's another example of, I go back to the water.
0: Right, right. You um, want to, the right amount. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to flood yourself with too much fiber, is what you saying?
1: Well, yeah, you're going to know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're going to know really quickly. Exactly. Um,
1: yeah. So in that example, the typical number we're going to throw around is like 10 grams or so per thousand calories. So if you're eating 2,000 calories a day, you're aiming for 20 to 30 grams of fiber. What does
0: that look like in terms of, say, broccoli? Is that like a cup of broccoli? Well, that might be a lot of broccoli. That's a lot of broccoli. That would be a whole,
1: that would be more more broccoli than you want to eat.
0: You want 10 percent fiber. Ten uh, grams. Ten grams of fiber
1: per thousand
0: calories. Per thousand calories. Yeah.
1: So if you, uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a day. Yeah. Um. I just did this uh, yesterday. So let let's say uh, uh, I've got a, um, NBA player. Just did the, these labs yesterday. Um. Uh, I'll, I'll use a different example. Let's go with um something that's more. I'll do a baseball player because the lifestyle is more akin to a yes. person, right? Um. You're gonna wake up and maybe you're gonna have something like. Uh, three or four eggs, maybe a little bit of diced up vegetables in there, maybe some aromatics, onion, garlic, or whatever, or eggs. If you're just like, that's too much. Maybe you're going to have a little bit of blueberries. um, You're going to have some raspberries. And then maybe even a little bit of avocado. If we want to go heavier on carbohydrates, we're going to kick out the avocado and maybe go sourdough, piece of sourdough bread, Mm -hmm. something like this. If we have a specific micronutrient issue, then we're going to choose the fruit intentionally. So I want you with a pear this morning, not blueberries. I want you with whatever the case may be. Um, You're going to go there and then you're probably going to have some sort of nutrients three or so hours later, which are going to be mostly, say a protein source. So say this is a a yogurt with, um, maybe plain yogurt. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's a little bit of granola if you're going to go train right after it. Sure. You know, something like that. No problem. Lunch, it's going to look very Mediterranean, Mm -hmm. paleo-ish, right? So it's going to be a lot of greens and a lot of, uh, vegetable. And then it's, um, depending on the person, maybe salmon, maybe not, maybe we need to go way away from fish for a while, maybe beef, whatever these things. So it's going to be some sort of a- animal protein for the most part with a big plate of vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're going to go for another meal after that. If they're on four meals a day or they're going to go into dinner. And I typically like to give them more carbohydrates at night. Really? Yeah, so same thing, but then they would get maybe rice or uh, quinoa or uh-huh. sweet potatoes or a whole host of things, um, depending on like their structure of their day. Sure. Um, that's a, like a, a pretty standard template, if you will. I like doing a lot of carbohydrates at night. NICE. It really helps recovery. For athletes. Yeah, and it yeah. really helps sleep. Interesting. You, you give 50 to 75 grams of carbohydrate a handful of hours before sleep.
0: You'll um, knock out. You'll <laughs> Yeah, but that doesn't help burn fat necessarily, right? If you do that at night. You're not going to gain fat either. Oh, interesting. Okay. No, not at all. But you're not going to burn it. Yeah. If you have carbs at night necessarily, right? It, it's it's um, the whole idea
1: that if you eat carbs at night, you're going to store them and therefore gain more fat has been widely scientifically refuted. Interesting. In fact, um, if you look at like Mike be stuff out of Florida State, like very clearly shown that nutrients at night tend to add in fat loss Interesting. and preservation of muscle, oh, specifically wow. protein. Um, and even some carbs at night and that's been shown a little bit of
0: rice at night is okay or sweet potatoes yeah interesting
1: you need need to balance this with your personal physiology right so some athletes i have eat right before bed they feel great some people boy that's a recipe for not sleeping
2: yeah
1: um high fat meals before bed tends to be a real big problem Mm. right you're going to have but not everyone Uh so we're going to figure this out this is a part of our day that we're going to construct that says do you need to stop eating three hours before four. four hours before 90 minutes, what's the number? Do we do a bigger meal and then a snack? Do we do a snack and then a big, like, what do we need to do? Um, I've had a lot of athletes that do very well with a really big chunk of carbohydrates, like almost immediately before bed, and then they just-
0: Pass zen. out and they're recovering and they- They wake out,
1: yeah, the recovery is got just energy. Shoots up, exactly.
0: Ah, interesting.
1: Now, you're not gonna wanna do Capri Sun and
0: no. like, some healthy carbs, yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: you're going to do starch, right? Like this is <laughs> yeah, a really yeah. good thing to Sweet do. potatoes,
0: potatoes, yeah. All those things. Rice, yeah, yep. interesting. You're
1: going to feel really, really good. Um, calories matter, right? So as long as you're in a rough understanding of where your total carbohydrates are and your rough fat and everything like that, you're going to be fine mixing and matching. Um, but do keep in mind physiology is unique, right? If you're like, man, if I have carbs at night, I blow up, I but believe you.
0: Then don't do it. I, <laughs> believe, I totally believe
1: you. I don't think you're a liar. Yeah. Uh, but if you're just like, oh, no, I heard in a podcast. Like, no, we have got enough science to suggest that you're gonna be just fine, especially yeah. as a as a moderate performer
0: right. to recover. If you could I mean, this is a hypothetical question, but if you could only choose let's say for three months, you can only choose five um five foods a day that you could eat. Oh boy. To help you optimize your life and this is not gonna be peak performance and training and this and this, but it's just gonna be one of the best lifestyle I can live.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm going to give you an Andy Galpin answer. Okay. So as you've probably seen, I'm generally one to be like, wow, well, it depends, bro. Like yeah, I hate I giving you, you these you. things, right? I'm going to give you stuff, yes. though, right? Um, you, as I mentioned a little bit ago, you will do better when you establish consistency. Yes,
0: interesting.
1: I'm not against people doing a few, like you just outlined, of like basically eating the same thing every day.
0: Uh-huh. You're not against it, yeah.
1: Not against it at all. Um, I am against it as a long-term strategy because of the need for micronutrient variation. Micronutrients, though, on like a daily basis, don't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you got a lot of vitamin C today, but you didn't get a lot tomorrow,
0: it's okay.
1: Micronutrients are fine. Ma- macronutrients matter today. Mm-hmm. Micronutrients tend to take
0: weeks to months. What's the difference between micro and macronutrients? Macronutrients
1: are carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Okay. Energy or structure. Fats and carbohydrates provide you with cellular energy. Protein provides structure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Some energy, but very little. Um, macronutrients tend to be measured in big units like grams. Micronutrients typically split into a handful of categories minerals, vitamins, mm-hmm. and then things like polyphenols. Okay. Right? Um, any of those nutraceuticals that, that are lower there, those tend to be measured in very small units. So micrograms or milligrams or very small things. Got it. Vitamins, um, technically the definition is vital amine. That's where the word vitamin comes from. So it's vital to survive. Amine being like a a small part of an amino acid. Mm -hmm. So these are structures that have been identified throughout history that play a a role in health. Mm. So for example, you can live without carbohydrates. You cannot live without vitamins. Mm. And if you have a clinical deficiency in a vitamin, you're going to get a disease immediately. You're not going to get a disease from having low carbs. Right, right. (laughs) Like that's the structural difference. Now, vitamins tend to be broken up into a couple of categories. You have fat-soluble. So these are ones that um, they're they're absorbed best when you eat them with fat and they're going to be stored in your own fat. Then you have water-soluble ones like vitamin C. So vitamin C is going to come in, go into your bloodstream. Any excess, for the most part, you're just going to urinate out. Mm -hmm. Um, Fat-soluble ones like vitamin D are going to stay around for a long time. And so because fat-soluble ones stay around, you don't have to have them necessarily every day. Because they're around, and if your body needs it, it'll it'll pull some out of tissue. Minerals, zinc, magnesium, rocks, basically, are quite different. You can play with vitamins, like if you took a multivitamin every day, fine. You don't want to play with minerals. They have a much bigger physiological consequence. Um, Magnesium is pretty okay, like if you're just not a bad strategy, right? But if you are just taking iron, or you're taking zinc. You could cause a whole lot of, of important physiological problems. Mm. Um, so you want to be very careful about dosing things. You want to go even further. Now you talk hormones.
2: Mm.
1: Right? You, you play with hormones, you're in a whole new ball game. Right. Don't play with minerals. Multivitamin, you're fine. Okay. Like that's not one where I'm like, whoa, don't take a multivitamin yeah, until yeah. you've had blood worked out. Like,
0: that's fine. Yeah. yeah you're probably fine. Gotcha. Um,
1: but I wouldn't go crush, especially for men, I wouldn't go crush iron as a supplement. Mm unless you've had blood work done, you can get into danger real fast. Interesting. Women, probably fine.
0: Okay. So there's
1: different things to pay attention to. Um, So the micronutrients tend to be stable. When we change someone's diet and we're running their um, panels, I don't really run blood again for typically another 90 to 120 days because it takes that long for nutrient status to really change that much. If 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 you're low on vitamin um, D, and we give it to you. Like it's, it's going to be a while before we see a noticeable mm-hmm. change. Sure. Macronutrients, it's it's instantaneous. Yes. It's it's. You ate more carbs today. How did you feel? I felt better. I felt worse. Okay, great. I gave you multi multivitamin today. How do you feel?
0: You can't feel it. You, you never feel. You, know. you, you don't feel know. anything yeah, for yeah. a very long yeah, time. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. the, the general. Did, okay. To answer your actual question. So the five, five foods you eat on a daily basis. You give me five foods and three supplements.
1: Okay, yeah, that's easy. Um, supplement number one, multivitamin. Supplement number two, creatine.
0: Creatine for everyone.
1: Yeah, no question.
0: All ages. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, over eighteen or something, or you could even go earlier than that. Creatine. You think we should have every day?
1: It, it, it is the most efficacious single supplement you'll you'll ever find.
0: <laughs> really, tell me why. <sighs> Boy, we should probably have done this the very first. Cre- question. Creatine. So what does it do it is, for you? It is and...
1: probably the number one to three most studied supplement
0: and this is like back bringing me back to like 16 year olds back in high school like creatine getting that pump
1: yeah yeah right you remember getting mad when you hear about your like a guy you're playing is like oh he's all hopped up on creatine <laughs> <laughs> that guy's cheating he's taking white yeah. protein and creatine like. <laughs> yeah, he's so right.
0: much stronger <laughs> well it works yeah so tell me why it's creatine so in the early, in the 1990s i, I haven't heard creatine was... in years probably really i haven't heard anyone talk about creatine in Oh, maybe my. ever on the show. No way. I don't think anyone has told me any nutritionist, oh, scientist, doctor, uh, you know, You're athlete to, the biggest rock. I don't think anyone has told me creatine in the last 9 years. It's number 1 that I can remember. Tell me why creatine is okay. the number one thing we should be taking on a daily Tremendous basis.
1: Tremendous amount of science, right, which is a uh means it's very robust. It works under a lot of different situations, under a lot of, it's not only gonna work for old people or it's only gonna work like other supplements where, for example, if you're, everything has a curve, a right? yes. hormetic curve. So if you are at the top of that curve and you're at the optimal range, whatever that means, right? Mm-hmm. of vitamin C, for example, and I give you more vitamin C. Nothing happens. If I continue to give you more and continue to give you more and continue to give you more, you actually start to get worse. Right, because now you're overcrowding.
0: Mm, too much vitamin C.
1: Well, too much anything, right? Now vitamin C is like again pretty safe.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that curve is long with vitamin C. Uh-huh. But other other things, that curve is short, right? Um, we could go with any toxin. Same sure, thing, right? Sure. Like they just have a really tight curve, and it's like, hey, milligram and two milligrams, death. Right? Okay. Vitamin C is more like okay, three grams, five grams, ten grams, like you're still fine. Vitamin D, same thing. Like you could do. You
0: could do a lot of Tons D. of yeah. vitamin D. Mm-hmm.
1: Now there's some. Like, we're, we're actually... Like, I can't tell you how many times we have improved people's physiology right now by pulling them off vitamin D. Mm. Um, we just got some labs back about two weeks ago and doubled uh, testosterone from simply removing vitamin D. Wow. You play with things that have hormone-like effects. Yeah,
0: interesting. Okay. But creatine, now, with, like,
1: without Generally, vitamin D is super safe. Yes, generally yes, a right? yes. You, you should be paying attention Yes, to vitamin D. Um, I like precision. Right. Having said that, um, everything has this curve, right? So if you are here with vitamin C and I give you too much, actually things get worse. If you're clinically deficient and I give you that same amount, then things got better. Uh So you have to understand where on the curve you are with some of these things. Uh, Testosterone is another easy example. If you're at a normal range, going normal to a little bit higher has very nil functional effects. Mm-hmm. But if you're a little bit low to going to normal, has huge yes. positive beneficial effects. Okay, um, Creatine doesn't have a curve like that necessarily. So there's no clinical like deficiencies of creatine unless you have some of these really weird uh, conditions. But having said that, you can really kind of take it a lot and it doesn't kick back. There's no feedback loops.
0: So I just keep powder, straight powder to the water, drink creatine all day. Yeah, it's, it's... not
1: going to go... <laughs> cause your bones to start excreting excess right. calcium or anything like 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 other vitamins, and huh. particularly minerals will do. Man. It's not a hormone, so it's not gonna change your regulation and production of growth hormone or anything like that like other stuff do. So number one, ton of science. It works on a lot of populations, meaning if you're a little bit low on your creatine or you're already good, you're still gonna have an effect. Oh. It's okay. It's very cheap. Right. It's very accessible. Creatine monohydrate is all you need to really get to. Um, It's been, the safety profile is outstanding. So we have very little evidence to suggest it's gonna be detrimental to anybody.
0: um, Long-term.
1: Long-term or Uh short-term. All that on one side and say, okay, so what's the risk of taking it? Well, basically nothing, right? Because of all this, which is different from any, not any, but a lot of other supplements. So
0: you take creatine every day? Positive effects, let's get here. (laughs) Yes,
1: You can take it every day.
0: Do you take it every day? Yeah, I try to. You try to? For the most part, yeah.
1: I'll go, through, I'll go through phases internally uh-huh. where I yeah, d- yeah. do different things diet wise yeah. and stuff wise. But, like, yeah. So, to not get off topic here, um, we associate it with stronger, bigger. Mm-hmm. And through the 18, 1980s, 1990s, that was became pretty clear. And then I sort of left the field because I was just like, we know the answer. It's super safe and it works for athletes. And then other people started picking it up and going, well, what about for things like brain function? What about recovery from traumatic brain injury?
2: Mm.
1: What about um, cognitive decline? What about neurological health? There is actually strong data suggesting a relationship between creatine and depression. Mm. There is a, um, and to be very clear there, creatine is not solving depression. Like That's not how depression works, right? Has there some data to suggest it may be helpful? Yes. Um, There's a lot of other health benefits associated with it because think about it this way. The way you make energy biologically is it's going to come from a number of sources. Creatine is actually the very first one. Hmm. People think carbs and fat, and those are the predominant sources, but the very first place is actually creatine. It's a one. The stoichiometry is great. It's one to one. One thing of uh, creatine, one molecule of ATP. So you're not, it's not a high energy producer, but it's the fastest. It's stored in inside the cells themselves, and they can directly create basically ATP. It, kind of. There's one step in movement. You get the idea. Right. So it's very fast, but it burns very fast. The brain loves that. Mm. Astrocytes around the brain love it. And when, we, when you look at all the trials that have been done um, with any of these populations, cognitive decline, injury, neurological function, there is a lot of research moving with creatine in all of those areas. Um, mm. Again, it's not a treatment. It is not a cure for Alzheimer's. Sure. Um, some of the data suggests it's not doing much. And then some of it is like maybe there's a Slowing of the reduction, or slowing of the progression.
2: Mm.
1: Some say maybe not. Wow. But there's enough health benefits globally um, that we're basically saying, look, a lot of decline in cognitive, whether it's function or um, mental health, it's looking like an energy problem. Again, not exclusively, but it's, it's a mm-hmm. big deal there. Um, this is why you see trials with lactate, providing folks with lactate and seeing really good improvements in brain function. Mm. with uh, George Brooks' and stuff, doing that with brain injuries. Interesting. Um, well, it's because those things like energy, and we know that they prefer glucose because it's a faster energy source. Well, they actually love creatine as well in some of the places. So, it is uh, creatine. It yeah. is a
0: very, very useful, useful supplement.
1: Yeah, no question.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, so for your
1: third
2: one,
0: yes,
1: you know you could throw in, in general, fish oil. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, pro- I don't think we probably need to be smashing out as much fish oil as we as I would have said five or eight years ago, but. Safety profile is high.
0: Add some in there, okay. And what about so those are the three supplements? What about the five foods?
1: Okay, um, if you want to talk bang for your buck, it's yes. very hard to get past eggs.
0: Really, man. I heard it's just so. I heard someone say the eggs is like one of the worst things.
1: Yeah, that's not.
0: <laughs> okay, this um, is the this is the challenge. I bring on people from all different uh, nutritional scientific backgrounds who will say these different things. I think that's challenging for people is to figure out what really works for them. Yeah. But I okay, so eggs. Well, remember, science is a
1: is a verb, not a noun. Mm-hmm. It's an action. It's a moving target. Yes. You want it to be that way. Yeah. Right.
0: So it's good. I love uh, eggs. So for me, that's a good.
1: Yeah. Um, I have okay. some folks that eggs are a death sentence for them. Mm. So yeah, again, I believe you you're like, oh, I get, I get no, uh, my nose runs immediately. Thanks. Uh, so, great, take them out. Don't do don't it. Don't do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Most people, though, it's uh, nutrient density-wise. That's a pretty good one. Um, I'll go with the potato. Really? Man, and talk about... There's uh, a
0: lot of benefits with potatoes, for sure.
1: Tons of benefits, as well as functionality, in terms Mm -hmm. of um, it works well for the whole family. You can cook it a ton of different ways. Mm -hmm. Preparation methods. um, They all change the nutrient profile, by the way. Uh All of it. Um, So, you can make it into a resistant starch if you want. You can make it into a faster acting carbohydrate if you want. Mm. You can um, make it in a mash. You can make it. Like, you can do different things. Um, It's cheap, Mm -hmm. high quality, and a ton of nutrient variety. Lots of fiber, lots of good things, energy source. Um, Potato, yep. So, those are a pretty good one. I would say (sighs) I'm torn between
0: blueberries. Yeah. I've heard that as a common with a lot of experts. It's yeah, it's actually a super Top cool. five, yeah. Like,
1: it's a fun uh, nootropic hack.
0: I just don't like blueberries. Blueberries like for
1: performance, like, big, big help. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of, uh, 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 there's been some literature showing it having a, like a fairly robust nootropic effect acutely. Mm-hmm. So you take it right now, and like, before you go perform. It's gonna help better. you, yeah. Um, it has doubled the, mostly double the amount of carbohydrates relative to other berries. So if like calories are a concern, then maybe you would want to switch it for raspberries.
0: Okay, something like that. Gotcha, blueberries, okay.
1: Um, That's a pretty good one, let's see. Uh, Another one that's a pretty big staple. Um, In meat, meat in general. Uh, is it probably going to be pretty high on my list? If you mm-hmm. let me count meat as one for that. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> not like if you do. What's the optimal meat? If you just like, I can only do this type of fish. I want to do this type of. I'm probably going to take
1: like pork. personally. Yes. I'm going for antelope.
0: Antelope. Yeah, that's just
1: because my freezer is stocked with it.
0: Okay. Almost every year. Yeah.
1: Um, we eat pretty much exclusively game meat like, oh, for our meat choices, if not fish. So okay. fish, elk, uh, or game meat, mule deer, and antelope, or like. My house lives off those Okay, things. cool. Um, I realize if, that's not very...
0: But if someone, the general population, would you say fish then? I'm what not against
1: want? fish at all. Um, the only reason I'm hesitating is you have to be very careful of mercury toxicity. Yeah,
2: it, It's a real issue.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've had this problem a lot over the years it's with strong. folks who just love professional athletes that fish in the off-season and stuff like that. So
0: Interesting. Depending okay.
1: on your fish choice,
0: right.
1: stacked against each other, Heavy metals aside, fish is a very right. high-quality meat. Gotcha. It's okay. very good profile.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and the fifth thing, I don't see any vegetables in there, right? Oh, I got yeah. the potatoes in there, but... Yeah, but
1: no, no leafy greens. Um, yeah. I guess you could say, I mean, I guess the easy answer is broccoli. It's probably the most robust. It can mm-hmm. be cooked in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, nutrient profile changes based on cooking preparation, so you can get variety by just cooking it differently. Yep. Um, it's not people's favorite.
0: I like broccoli. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah, But like put a little hot sauce, you're okay. Right, right. <laughs> like, you,
0: you get but it's it really, down. there's a lot of benefits of broccoli, right?
1: Tons. Yeah, yeah tons. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways. So cool. that's probably like my five where you're like, well, that's the least interesting five that anyone's ever no, said. it's good. Yeah, it's <laughs> all that's good. A, that's a pretty good, um, what I would really say, I guess my advice for someone is, whether you want to do the five meals a day thing or three meals a day, one meal a day for the average person, it doesn't really matter. Get a plan get somewhat organized and try to be fairly consistent, mm-hmm. right? And then if you want to move parts out, so you go, hey, you know what, like, my meat option for today is I'm going to go salmon today and then tomorrow I'm going to go sirloin and then, then I'm going to go lamb. Like, all these things have
0: pros and cons, mm-hmm. right?
1: But you still have a structure. So you have yes. freedom with a little bit of structure and you, you, you're not out there going, like, what am I doing today,
0: pizza or yeah. burritos yeah. or, like... Yeah. Mac and cheese, yeah. You're totally just <laughs> off reservation. Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: if you can kind of do that... That's cool. ...for three months two months, whatever the case is. Um, The one key I'll say here is you want to eat for the average person in a way that fosters abundance and not scarcity. So don't go on a diet. Mm. Don't have cheat meals. Mm. Just eat. Just eat. And make food good. If you don't make food good, you're now thinking about...
0: Cheating. You're like, what's all these bad foods I can eat? Totally.
1: So if you're like, hey, look, um, having a piece of wheat toast in the morning like... It's just like my favorite thing. But they have it. Yeah. The cost to benefit ratio is pretty high. Like if you're like, I could I like toast, but like whatever, I like a hundredth. Well then okay, maybe maybe you cut that out and you, you what or not the toast is bad. But you get it, like point point. Here's like mm. figure out what are the non-movable parts. And then give yourself the ability to to do that and then make things taste like you want. If you're just like, oh God, like like okay, eggs, but like I can't then don't eat eggs. Like, right. get them the hell out of there. And find foods, where you're like, dude, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And, and then preparation cells, right? So you're like, maybe when I use these herbs and spices and do it this way, I can handle it. Um, you have a chance. Yeah. But a crash diet, like we, we've just seen. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't and work. And one of the most popular studies or papers I've ever published was on intermittent dieting. Like, I can't even tell you how many downloads. It's just ridiculous. But like, the evidence is very clear Yo-yo dieting it's not is good. a huge problem. Mm. It's really bad for your physiology. It's not just the fact that you gain the weight back. It has detrimental, you'll mm. be in a worse spot than when you started. Wow. And there has, we have explanations of leptin and insulin, like the whole gamut, uh, there's problems. So you really wanna be wow. cautious of, harden the pain for a month and then completely resume mm. to reserve to like
0: Be more consistent, yeah. Sustainable. But you're also saying like having some, um, Restriction or fasting incorporation is also can be helpful. Like if you're for some people, yeah, yeah, got it. Um, there's no
1: magic. Yeah, to fasting. Yeah. There's no special benefit to it. Um, if it is a good system for you, great. Sure. If it's not, then don't. Right, like, right. There's right. no like don't make yourself. It's that immediate, risk of gratification so, mm-hmm. right? So if it's like if it's just ruining your life, it's so not worth. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> if you're like, well, that kind of sucks, but like it's the only way I can control myself. Then it's probably worth the exchange. Right, right. I mean, I have a friend who's like this with even carbohydrates and we've gone through this so many times and he knows, he's like, I know carbohydrates are not bad. I can't control myself with them though.
0: I just eat so some, for me, yeah. I have to just go. I can't eat them.
1: And he he goes to these wildly, like he's in this, this space so he like, he goes through these wild changes in diets like all the mm-hmm. time. He's like, that's the only way I can keep my brain from just going completely bonkers. So I'm like, okay, it's not necessary, but if you have to live uh, really hard rules, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, that's the only way I can do it. I'm like, right, great. Right. So some people do really well with the band aid pulled off and just
0: sure, sure. You eat
1: this same lunch every single day. Um, one of the reasons why I love working, working with bodybuilders is like they're kind of like that. They're, if I told them to eat that, they'd be like, "Dope, let's go!" Okay,
0: let's go. Yeah, like, let's go. Broccoli, yeah. chicken, cool. Yeah. I got it.
1: <laughs> and then people are like,
0: "Oh my god, I made it a day yeah. and a half
1: and I quit. This yeah, is
0: terrible." Yeah. So make sure it matches. Yeah. Um, well, I have heard from a lot of different of the longevity, I guess, scientists, there are benefits to fasting for longevity. I don't know if that's. I would say
1: that's extremely contentious. Okay. Um, like I would intermittent say,
0: fasting or even.
1: I am not convinced at all that that adds a special benefit to aging at all.
0: Okay. Um, what about for burning fat or helping? No, fasting doesn't help burn fat.
1: No, that that data is clear.
0: Really? No, not at
1: all. No, in terms of like, if you look at the literature on fat loss over the course of pick your numbers, sixteen weeks, six uh-huh. months, six years, you're going to see no inherent benefit of fat loss with fasting.
0: So, what is the benefit when, of fasting then?
1: When protein is accounted for. Okay. So, if you're matched for protein, if it's a strategy to help you eat l- less food, uh-huh. then it will definitely work. Right. And there appears to be very little physiological harm to fasting. Right. No downside, especially for a non-athlete. I'm not against it at all. Sure. So I, I want to make it clear: like, I'm not at all against. I right, use right. it personally. Yeah. Not all the time. Um, I'll use intermittent fasting. I'll use prolonged fasting as for other reasons. Um. We don't typically use it with an athlete in-season, though we will use it off-season mm-hmm. occasionally. Mm-hmm. So I'm not against any of these things. But I, I don't think it's fair to think it is a, if you don't do this, you won't live as long as you could have. Mm.
2: Um,
1: I, th- I think that, that is extremely scientifically debatable, yeah. okay. which is, I think, the most fair way to say it. So I could be wrong. Yeah. And I'm open to that. Yeah, yeah. I could be right, though.
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah. um, if
1: you look at fat loss, that, that I think that's very, that's much clearer. That there is no special benefit for fat loss,
0: right? Really, no. By fasting, there's no there's you won't burn fat when calories and protein
1: are equated. Absolutely not. Interesting. And and those those trials have been done. Wow. Um, You have intervention trials. You have um, observational stuff, Mm -hmm. and it all is like landing in pretty much the same spot. That that that's not a huge
0: interesting for the group. Yeah, yeah.
1: For the individual, maybe. Right. If it is better for you, better for you. Sure, 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 Always the case. But as a net positive, like, do you really need to go out of your way to fast to lose weight? No.
0: Oh, okay.
1: No, not at all. Interesting. Um, it's a great strategy.
0: Right, right. It, sure. it works. Yeah, but... But
1: we have a lot of people who have lost a lot of weight...
0: Without fasting. Totally. Well, there you go.
1: So yeah. um, this is a difference of, I would say, it's, it's not that folks that are in a different position than I am are liars. That's not how science works. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you can't. They can't fake data. Like, I choose to assume that they're all not doing their data. best. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's a difference of opinion of, of what is an actionable piece of evidence versus not. So some people think they'll see evidence in, say, um, an animal study, and that is actionable. Well, the, in, in this particular case, um, we we can't say differently. I can't tell you what's going to worsen
2: aging. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have any evidence to suggest it makes it worse. Right. I don't have any. They're, they're, it's very hard to do a human longevity. study. Mm-hmm. So they say, hey, look, there's no downside. There's a plausible upside. It's worth the risk. Right, right. I say, well, you have a plausible upside. You have no risk. But your plausibility is questionable. Um, the things that are working in the animal don't carry over to the human, which we've seen in other things. I don't think it does anything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's simply a matter of what you choose to be actionable or not. You move that up to the human trials. I think where it differs is this. Let's say, I'm making this up, but let's say there was a study on fasting in animals and it showed um, it worked. And then someone was able to do a magical 60-year trial in humans and it showed it didn't. Well, if the people then continue to push the animal stuff saying it worked, then that's malpractice. That's misinformation Mm -hmm. because you have evidence in humans that challenged that thesis right. and it showed it clearly didn't work. That's right. not the case. Right. right now it is. This is the only level of evidence we right. have. We're
0: seeing that it's working here with these animals, and right. so it could work.
1: I think the rest of the evidence stacked on top of that, and my thought is this is not going to carry over to humans. Mm, interesting. I don't think it is.
2: Well,
1: They think it does, and that's the differentiation. Yeah, right? interesting. Um, we see this with in the case of the fat loss. We have carried these, not we, but scientists have collected the have collect run these trials on humans and it did not work and so that's why i'm very firm in that one Mm. because we've run those experiments in the humans and it didn't work interesting and um to me then to use mechanism study Mm -hmm. or animal or cell culture models or yeast models or anything like that in the face of human evidence that's not just observational Mm -hmm. to me now it's like what are you doing here like we have good evidence in humans um these studies could be wrong and other yeah, stuff. Yeah. So like you don't need to change your career or anything. But to me, I'm going to, the message I will send then is, hey, like this is not a necessary thing. It's not particularly special or advantageous. Um, wow. But this is a moving field.
2: Yeah. No Always. question about it. Yeah.
1: So we don't know per se um, what matters for fat loss. Consistency number one, right? Not within your timing, but if you don't stick to some principles, whatever those principles are, it's not going to matter, right? Right. So, um, we always say, like, the number one thing for fat loss is adherence. Whatever your plan is, if you don't do it, it's, like, you're mm-hmm. out the gates. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people simply don't adhere. Mm-hmm. So conversation over. Right. Just, like, can we work on that side of the equation? Then then that really matters. Um, there's a lot of other reasons I love fasting for, like, really fun stuff. But
0: um, we have done this so a lot. So you like it, you do it. You recommend it for certain things. I, but I think, you're not I think the message, though, right.
1: that you have to do it to improve your longevity, I think is wrong.
0: Right, right. Well, I don't think it's... Have to to do that, but I, I've seen there's benefits I towards. I don't think it
1: will. I'll even wow. say further. I don't think it will aid in your longevity at all. Wow. I don't think that there is, um, as a general rule, a positive needed effect of aging or of fasting. Interesting. I think there's a positive needed effect of caloric control. Like that. Okay. That seems to be pretty clear. So
0: less calories.
1: Controlled calories.
0: Controlled calories can help you live longer. You
1: don't see people at 105. At four hundred pounds, like you're just not going right. to see that stuff. If fasting is your method of that, fantastic. I see what you're saying. Great, uh, and we've I've done studies. So, um, 2010, I worked with a guy named Per Tesh, a very famous muscle physiologist in Stockholm, and we studied athletes that were 80 years old or more. So, 89 year old athletes. So, these were people that were Olympic and world champions in the 1940s and 50s, and they have not stopped competing. Wow. Uh, skiers. So they skiers. have skiers. Yep, yeah, they have a race. Over there, which Jeez. is like the equivalent of the Boston Marathon, but it's the ski version. So thousands of entrants a
0: year. You're talking about uh, not downhill skiing, but um, cross-country cross-country skiing. Yeah, you're not breaking legs. The over best. Here, n- <laughs> <laughs> breaking hips when you fall. Yeah,
1: the best in the world are doing two hours. Yes. You know, the average person four to five. So it's like yeah. a, a rough mm-hmm. cultural equivalent. Um, so these folks were have done that race for forty to fifty consecutive years. They've not stopped competing. Right, mm-hmm. they're entering these things. Um, and we've we've gone over there. We've taken blood. We've taken muscle samples. We run VO2 maxes wow. on them. Like the, the whole shabam, right? So these are the most successful folks. In fact, we broke an unofficial official record. Of, we had a 92 year old with a VO2 max close to 40 milliliters per kilogram per minute, which is the what, what like an average college kid would
0: be. Wow, outrageous, that's outrageous. Right? That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, Th- these folks are not fasting.
0: Well, they, they can't when they're competing at that high level also.
1: Maybe, maybe not, right?
0: If you're not training like that, totally. you wouldn't be able to. But I think for the average so, human to me, I'm like, who's sitting around all day and not moving their body. Yep.
1: I guess my point here is I don't think you're going to get to 90 super well if that training part is not a piece of the equation.
0: You need the training part. You've yeah. got to have the training yeah, yeah. part, right? And so with your training, you're going to be eating. A little more. You can't be, yeah. Totally. So th- those folks. So it depends where you're at, and as you son. saying.
1: Yeah. So all of these, um, again, need to be moved forward as viable options. Mm-hmm. Now I'll even say this: if you would have asked me this question eight years ago, I would have, um, I would have probably tried to convince you that there are negative effects of fasting. Mm. I was wrong. Mm. I-, I think it's very. Like, we have some athletes that will even do it. Yeah. And be fine. You can clearly do it. Um, so I've changed my position on that piece a lot, but. Um, To to think that it is a requirement for fat loss, no. Because when we have tested any number of athletes and looked at things like metabolic efficiency or metabolic flexibility, these are grossly misconstrued in the pop pop culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Metabolic flexibility is not what most people think it is to be. Um, It is very trainable. It can be moved. It is very, very important. And you do not at all have to go on a low-carbohydrate diet or fast at all to become really effective at burning fat.
0: yeah, Burning fat
1: is also not the greatest proxy for fat
0: loss. What is the best thing to do to burn fat and for fat loss then?
1: So there's no single best thing, right? It's going to de- depend on you. So I'll give you some things. Okay. I have a lot of uh, videos you can go if you want to see this entire breakdown of um, metabolism. But uh, think about it um, very quickly this way. Carbohydrates and fat are the primary places you're going to get energy from, right? And think about this as, in general, carbohydrate is there for faster time, less energy um, per molecule, per Mm -hmm. weight. However, it's less. This is important. Um, Carbohydrate is more oxygen efficient Mm. than fat. Okay. But the total amount of energy per gram of fat is far higher, yep. like tenfold. Yep. If you're concerned with fat loss, it's not about burning fat. Because if you burn a ton of carbohydrate, you have to restore the carbohydrate some way. Mm-hmm. And you can't, it's, it's difficult to convert fat into carbohydrate. But here's what happens. If you burn more fat, if you eat more fat, if you eat more fat, you're going to burn more fat because you've given your body more fat. Mm. But you're also going to store more fat. Right because you're giving yourself more fat, right? If you eat more carbohydrates, you're going to burn more carbohydrates, but you're going to? Burn more. Store more carbohydrates. Store. So how do we burn it then? Cool. All you have to do is make sure the total balance of two of them is lower than what you're burning. It doesn't matter. If you want to keep the carbohydrates up and the, pro- and the fat low, fine. You want to keep the fat high and the carbs low, fine. You want to keep them both like kinda low, it doesn't matter. In terms of actual fat loss, six months or six weeks or whatever down the run. It doesn't matter. We can play games by mm-hmm. giving you food before your workout and bias is what we call bias the energetics. So if I want you to burn more fat, I'm gonna give you more fat before your workout. But mm. you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna store more fat. Yeah. I'm gonna give you carbohydrates to the direction. If I need the energy faster, like in a sport like 100 meter national track and mm. field, we're going to hedge towards carbohydrate. If we want to do a long, pro- prolonged exercise, that time doesn't matter, like your marathon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to go more towards now. A fast marathon is still going to be carbohydrates. Mm. A fast marathon, even a two-hour marathon, is still eighty-five percent carbohydrates. If
0: we're doing a six-hour marathon, what should I be eating before? Yeah.
1: You can do. You have the bandwidth to do whatever you want. Right? There's
0: a lot of. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to get through there. it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what happens is because it, it's regulating these places, your body's gonna say, if we have excess fat come in, we're gonna burn some of it as fuel as we uh-huh, can, uh-huh. but we're also gonna store more because we have excess. right? So this, this, this de novo lipogenesis, the ability to take extra carbohydrates, and then the leftover ones get stored as fat is very difficult to do. Mm. What happens is you just store them as carbohydrates. Yeah. So imagine this, you had too many carbs. You want This is how carbs make you fat, by the way. It's not that those things get converted into fat. That's a very difficult process. You're going to take a bunch of those carbohydrates and you're going to store You're going to max out muscle. And you're going to max out blood glucose. And you're going to max out the liver. And then what happens to the rest? Well, it says, hey, any little bit of fat that we're burning right now, turn it off. Mm -hmm. Because we have so much extra carbohydrate. We're only going, and so you become very carbohydrate burning, doing things like this, what we're doing. Which should be a very fat dominant thing because we don't need energy quickly right now. So the excess cal- mm. excess carbohydrate ingestion is not converting into fat. It's simply lowering the rate of fat burning. Gotcha. Ingestion of over fat does the same thing in the opposite direction,
0: right? Right, right, right.
1: So this is how it's going to lead to excess storage of actual fat. It's not that you're converting one you know, from the other. It's the fact that it's regulating or what we call partitioning
2: uh-huh.
1: total utilization. So you have the bandwidth for fat loss to do whatever you want. Um, so the idea of metabolic flexibility is when you need energy quickly, you're Half gonna move, to, move towards the, the carbohydrate side. Yeah. But when you don't, you're gonna be able to be really good at the other side of the equation, mm. okay? You do not need to fast. You do not need to have lower carbohydrates to get good at fat burning. That's complete garbage. What do you need to do? You need to be able to be good at fat burning. If you wanna get better at it, can you pra- okay, Here's a quick test. Um, if you can wake up in the morning and go like for a 30-minute jog without food, and like you feel fine, maybe you're hungry, but you feel fine, then you're probably decent at fat burning. Mm. If you are a complete wreck and you can't get 15 feet, then you're probably very poor mm-hmm. at using fat as a fuel source. Mm-hmm. So if we have you do like a time trial on whatever thing you do, and you just you tank, you should have more than enough energy you might be hungry because you're used to eating breakfast, but you don't have, your blood sugar is not going to be low. You have way more than enough blood sugar uh-huh. to do what you're going to do. So that's a very easy litmus test. Yeah. Um, if you want to push that ability, you can practice fasting. It, it will work. You don't have to. Um, you can get simply better at doing things like nasal-only...
0: Breathing. Endurance stuff, right? Mm. So do
1: whatever it takes. Breathe through your nose only. You can train. You can do a little bit of fasted training. You don't have to. You could work on simply eating fat. Before your workouts. Not carbs. Push that system. Yes. Yeah, right? Like all of these things um, are, are very easy to work. And we've had athletes that have problems the other side too. They're so good at fat burning that they're slow starters. Mm-hmm. So we have to work on their ability to use carbohydrates. So we push that into the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's very easy to do, uh, to move. Well, conceptually, it's easy to do. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's gonna work. And it, it's gonna be a little bit of a struggle for those folks. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's generally how you can get fat burning yeah. done. It's um, Movement can work, but you don't have to. Mm. Diet is your biggest yeah. player there, no yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say about that is energy control is real. If you are crushing your energy control with stimulants, you can just guarantee a loss of physiological function. Mm. So if you're in this situation... Okay, I'm doing 10 milligrams or 5 milligrams of melatonin at night. Okay, great. Fine, because I can't sleep. Wake up the next morning, and I'm doing stimulants. Whatever, however you want to justify Mm -hmm. them, All day. And I ask, how's your sleep? You're like, pretty good. And I ask, how's your energy? Pretty good. And we look at physiology. I'm like, well, your physiology is not very great. I feel fine. Well, you don't actually feel fine. You're just cycling drug to drug to drug to drug to drug to Mm. drug. And I'm not against either one of those things, right? But you're, you're sort of blinding yourself a little bit because if I take either one away.
0: How are you going to feel? You, yeah. you feel awful. Mm-hmm. You
1: can't, uh, no energy. Oh, okay, great. So you're actually not very good at producing energy. You're very good at giving something else to produce energy for mm. you. That's not an optimal physiological That's state. That's
0: not good, yeah.
1: Optimal physiological state is you can't sleep fine without anything. You can't perform fine. Maybe we're a little bit better when we use them. And now these things give us like a little bit of extra juice, uh-huh. but that's a difference between taking us from really ne- good, just extra juice, yeah, to yeah. like I can't function. Right, right. And I can't tell you how many labs we've had come back recently where people have next morning melatonin concentrations that are ten or a hundred x upper range limits. They're walking around sedated, even though melatonin is supposed to have like a sixty or ninety minute half life, right? It should be gone fairly quickly. But they're taking so much of it. Mm. In fact, a study came out very recently showing. The actual amount of melatonin in your supplements can range up to 100,000x what you think you're taking. So you think you're taking three milligrams, mm, but it's more, way more. Wow. And so people are walking around sedated, and that's where they're going to nootropics and more coffee mm-hmm. and more nicotine. Which again, I'm not against any of those things, but like we have to have a little bit more control. The easiest way around all this stuff is like eat a simple diet, drink water, regulate stress, sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's come back to baseline. What do I feel like when I'm not taking microdosing LSD? Like, what do I take when I'm not?
0: <laughs> right, right. Like, i every that, day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Having gummies and this and this. Totally yeah.
1: right. And then you can go. Okay. Actually, like I was just regulating everything coming in, uh,
0: and now we
1: can start playing here and here. Yeah, yeah. But we have been generally pulled people off of things more than we put people on things. Yeah, exactly. Because you, d- you just lose any sense of normalcy, mm-hmm. which is a challenge. So.
0: Lots of information here, Andy. You've got a YouTube channel with a lot of this stuff that people want to nerd out and go into the data. They can see all your YouTube videos there. Your Instagram is really fun to check out. A lot of good tips there. You've got a book as well, um, which is about getting unplugged, right? It's, It's evolving from technology to upgrade your fitness performance and consciousness. I wanted to go more into consciousness and exercise and things like that, but I think maybe we'll have to have you come back on next time. To give people some some time to digest this, but um, you also have your lab. Uh, I don't know if people are able to go to the lab if they're in if they're in uh, LA. Or if it's more for just high performance athletes, but yeah, you've got a whole center there where you're sharing the research yeah. online from the lab, which is really cool. Uh, people can go to andygalpin.com. Uh, your YouTube as well. as that's just Andy, Is that Dr. Andy Galpin? I, th- I think it's yeah, just Andy Galpin. Andy not, Galpin was there. Sure it'll come Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we'll have it all linked up as well. How else can we be uh, supportive to you today? What can we do to support you besides checking out your site and all the information you have?
1: Yeah, I think the a couple of things. Um, so my YouTube page, a little bit more context there. I built that a number of years ago simply because I thought it's kind of weird how people want and need general exercise and nutrition Mm -hmm. information. And I I can only do this 35 students at a time and I'm waiting. Like, this is just not a thing. So I just thought, like, can I just start taking all of my university lectures? Yeah. All the seminars I give, all the private speaking engagements, and can I just put them up on YouTube for free? Turns out you can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all it is. So you can take any of my graduate level courses in strength and conditioning, nutrition, all these things, um, or some of the more advanced talks I give. Like, I just put them up there in five, 25, and... Fifty-five minute physiology ones. Um, that's just all I, I just pay. Out of that. I don't have like a, I don't, I don't have a company or anything yeah. that does that. So that is a Patreon model. Cool. So if anyone wants to support that, I take that money and I, I have an intern actually, a student, and he's like, I know how to produce videos. And I know how to post to YouTube. And, there you go. And we're actually trying to up the ante on that quite a bit to make them way more user friendly uh-huh. and stuff, and provide notes and all that stuff. So that that's probably the easiest way. Um, if you're more of the high ticket person and you're interested in supporting research, um, we are. You know, our lab is a is a nonprofit, so we can get a nice kickback on on lab donations. So that's great, man. That's always
0: a that's something you need more resources.
1: Yeah, you know, we don't fund uh, this type of research is not fundable. Yeah, are not making drugs, and we're not. Yeah, doing exactly. So they can, your,
0: they can go to your they can go to your website and learn more about that, right? Or they can donate.
1: Uh, yes. I don't have any of that stuff up there now. <laughs> You'll
0: put it up there after this, con- yeah. this talk.
1: And then uh, that'll have links to um, the, our other programs. So the Absolute Rest program from okay. Sleep Tech. Um, I'll make sure that gets up on the website. Absolute and our, Rest, uh, yeah. Our Rapid Health Optimization program, which is our the executive program. So if you want kind of the athlete mm-hmm. thing and then you want someone to take you through the training and stress reduction or breathing, whatever it is we find. So, so Rapid Health Optimization program. Um, and then if, if you are more the athlete type, that we have our biomolecular athlete, that's outside that of the equation. So Interesting. We can run all those labs and everything, and get you your complete biomolecular blueprint, and then provide solutions.
0: Oh, that's cool. So you can that. run labs for people. We can. That's cool. I love yeah.
1: it. It's not a um, it's not a high throughput thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a waiting list. But, sure, sure, sure. Uh,
0: Start for that waiting list. Depends
1: on how hard you are you up. Sometimes we yeah, yeah, get to skip that yeah,
0: line. Yeah, I, I can skip that line. Yeah. We had a couple just
1: jump in. I'm like, well, you're the we are the number one player in the world in multiple major American sports. So. Nice,
0: yeah. They got to jump the line. They'll get it there tomorrow. Yeah, no yeah, offense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: they got to jump.
0: I love this, Andy. A couple of final questions for you. We'll wrap things yeah. up. Uh, this is called the Three Truths. Imagine it's your last day on Earth many years away. You get to live as long as you want to live and you accomplish all your dreams, but for whatever reason you gotta take all of your information with you or it's no longer around. All your content, your work, your books, your videos, this, it's gone for whatever reason but you have three lessons you get to share with the world, three truths that you would leave behind from all of your life experience, knowledge, research, whatever it might be, as profound or simple as the truths might be, what would you say are those three truths for you?
1: Wow, that's an interesting one. Number one would be, I'm just gonna steal this. I just think I'm gonna say ownership. Mm I'm a huge, huge proponent of that. I don't think I need to explain that more, you know what I mean. You've probably heard people talk about that. Um, Number two, I'll say, I'll just keep it one word, perspective.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And what I mean by that is, truth is not as common as you think. We live in gradients. Mm -hmm. And what seems to be completely true for you may not be completely true for somebody else because of their perspective. Right. And we need to understand that science is not a thing that produces proof. It's very difficult, borderline impossible to prove. Right. All we do is play on levels of certainty. Uh, if you go back to any parts of our conversation, there are some of those things where I'd say I have tremendous certainty on. Um, you need water to perform, perform very well. Right? and you need an, an X amount of water. I'm pretty certain about that. Other things we've talked about, I start to lose. I may still be like, yeah, this is true, but I have less certainty, and I'm willing to entertain ideas of a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not willing to entertain an idea that you don't need water.
2: Yeah. There would have
1: to be tremendous evidence right. for me to even not swipe right by your post. Right, right? right, I'm not listening. I'm not listening or reading a post about how all you need to eat is liver. The burden of proof there is so extraordinary. Like, maybe I'm wrong about that in 10 years, I'll see, but most likely I'm not. Because so many of those things come and you're most likely to be right most times up here. But then there's some things where I'm like, Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, so perspective is key, yeah. You
1: have to understand where you're at on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. The last one would be, I'll call it intentionality. Okay. And what I mean by that is, and this is part of the stuff we got to at the end of my book that um, we we talked about are you pushing towards adaptability, pushing towards optimization, are you, most people don't even realize that every action you're doing is moving you in one of these directions. So if you can just zoom back a little bit and start to think through, I'm going to change this one. Okay, I'm going to explain this better. I'm going to call this first principles. First
0: First principles?
1: First principles. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with first principles thinking? No. Okay. I'm surprised. It's very common thing in the, the business leader space. Um, so first principles is a line of thinking that suggests go back to the very foundational beginning, go all the way to the bottom to where it, there is no more assumptions. And you just simply work your way up. Uh-huh. Anytime you see an assumption you stop and you confirm your case is in fact true there. And this works so well for managing relationships you, you can already see the application there, right? Like, mm-hmm. Where are we going to go down to? Right, what right. fundamental truth do we agree upon? Let's go back. Wherever that is, As a, if that's a very bottom level, we're going to agree upon that truth. And we're just going to go to the next level. Do we agree here? Yes. And you're just going to walk up uh-huh. until you find a place of like, and you'll just, you, you'll be so shocked with how many assumptions are baked in
2: mm-hmm.
1: to things you, you're just assuming. Um So questioning those assumptions and going back, and it works for relationship stuff. It works for nutrition. It works for, should I be doing this today? It works for, do I really have to go see this person? Do I really Mm -hmm. have to just come back to first principles? Where's the fundamental thing that we agree upon? And then where is the assumption breaking down? And Mm -hmm. you'll just be shocked. Like, I didn't realize. I assumed you were willing to put your career in front of Your wife,
0: right, right, right. You
1: weren't okay. Like this is now. I see why you're mad that I gave you this recommendation because I thought here you Mm -hmm. didn't. We we missed. So go back to the very first principles. And when you're solving problems, whether it's with your company, or it's physiology, or new tech, or whatever it is, just start there and walk up. Um, this is Elon Musk, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone said you can't make batteries, blah, blah, blah. He just went back, meaning, okay, what? What do we assume? Right. You're assuming we can't make batteries cheap. Why? Why you can't? Why? Can't? Why? Right. Oh, here, we got an opportunity, right? That's all he you
0: could, what, how would you do it? Yeah. Totally,
1: right? This is, um, I could give you examples of sure. scientists in our field mm-hmm. who you think things are just like, they're in our textbooks and I've taught. I give you so many examples of things I've taught over the years and I'm like, oh, I, I just assumed that was, it's in the right, book, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And then somebody came along and said, well, where's that paper?
0: Questioning well, no, the assumption. The yeah. well, where's the
1: paper? Where's the first paper? And you go back and you're like, actually, this was shown one time, 1970, in six people. And then it's just like, yeah. Um, that was that totally changed the way we train muscle hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. Brad Schoenfeld just did that, right? And it's like we have so many people. You're like, I never thought to assume.
2: I
0: just, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So just really go back to first principles thinking. And um,
0: think I love it. it, my man. I love this. Um, I want to acknowledge you, Andy, for the the constant search of moving the human body forward. You know, the constant research that you're diving into, the constant testing and tweaking, the optimizing of humans. I think it's really cool that you have a lab that you get to work with great athletes all the time, college athletes, pro athletes, and see what's working for the rest of us. So thank you for doing all the work and, and the research and diving in and publishing this information and making it available for us as well for free on, on YouTube and everywhere else. So really appreciate it, Andy. Uh, final question, what's your definition of greatness?
1: Exceeding your own expectations. Whatever your coverage is, when you outkick it for yourself, I think you've done great.
0: Mm. There you go. That's all I'm going to say. My man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. matter and now it's time to go out there and do something great
4: whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style and you'll find the best mattress for you at ashley the new temper adapt collection at ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body conforming technology making every sleep tailored to be your best